0: Did you say, say what kind of animal was that attacked her? So yeah, they're saying some type of animal attack. Statistically, there's been more animal attacks, mysterious deaths, people gone missing. In other news, local authorities remain perplexed by
1: the animal attacks. What
0: attacked you in the woods? An animal. What else could
1: it have be been? Welcome back to It Was an Animal Attack, your home of the supernatural drama series. I'm Fazai and I'm Sandile and it's been a while since you've heard from us. <laughs> <laughs> it sure has. Unless you're binging this and you've just discovered us. <laughs> <laughs> In which
2: case, not welcome back. Hey, you're still with us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed the first year of us doing this. And I, I hope you had a an awesome festive season. Yeah, a good
2: December holiday, despite, you know, the general... Malays, we hope at least you found some good times with your family over this holiday period. Did you say malays? I did. Is that not the correct word? <laughs> I thought Malay was like an ethnic group. <laughs> no, not Malay. Malays. <laughs> oh, no. um, M-A-L-A-I-S-E. Now I've got to Google it. Oh, this I is see. the thing. This is the thing when you learn a language largely through reading is that you pick up words <laughs> that you're like, I'm sure of the meaning. No, no. You, I was just like, you were like, despite the Malays. And I was like, now what have they ever done to do you? So, <laughs> now what yeah. have the Malays done to you? <laughs> Uh, Malays general feeling of discomfort illness or unease whose exact cause is difficult to identify so not quite accurate but that's what i was shooting for just before we dive into this episode the weather has been miserably hot lately it is so today it's kicking up my allergies so if about halfway through this episode we're suddenly real shouty and mad you know what's up treat us with a little bit of grace please
1: and thank you for anyone who might not uh, you know i don't know what part of the world you might be in let me just imagine that I'm, I'm reaching an audience all the way like i don't know sweden <laughs> we've got a couple uk us listeners i was checking the stats we have a uh, like a one oh, you know
2: international <laughs> well for
1: for those of you above the equator we are in the we're in the heart of summer here in the southern hemisphere and it, it's 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 a scorcher
2: it really is catastrophe is here, folks.
1: Burning up like a werewolf's body temperature.
2: <laughs> hey, in true fashion, what are we talking about today?
1: <laughs> today we'll be talking about Mystic Falls's resident werewolf, Tyler Lockwood. One of my favorite characters. I don't know how many TVD fans would agree with that statement. <laughs> I think a lot of them. A lot of them just perceived him as eye candy, but not all that interesting. But I I love him. I don't know. How do you feel?
2: I am. Um, it's, oh, it's interesting. I think he has a surprise good chunk in the middle of the show there that I did not see coming. And then on either side of that, I could take him or leave him. Uh, I think he's a fine enough character, I just think. Like we've agreed before, it doesn't get much to do sometimes. But he's, he's fun once he's in his werewolf and then hybrid era, you know? But maybe I'm getting ahead of us.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's get into it. He has an interesting journey, and I think for a show like The Vampire Diaries, which uh, is you know about supernatural things going on with teenagers, there's a very clear metaphor for growing up, uh, maturing, turning into your true self, sometimes your worst self, sometimes your best self. And Tyler Lockwood is is a, a pretty pretty good example of that. He starts off the show as you know this jerk jock stereotype very clear what he's supposed to be (laughs) and for myself i have broken up stages of the character's life into well four stages that i'm going to be talking about today okay it is the jerk jock then the reluctant werewolf then the first successful hybrid and then the alpha of the pack
2: that really does chart his journey in a very I, I like that climb. That's interesting. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah. So we we start off with him being this uh, jerk jock stereotype, which I mean, anybody who's ever watched TV or gone to school <laughs> will will know exactly what that is. While I was doing my research, uh, <laughs> I was curious as to as to where this stereotype comes from. Uh, it seems to have been born in like American media in the eighties and the the real-life reason for these kind of people existing. For, for those of you who aren't clear on what a jerk jock is, it is an athlete, usually in a school setting, athletic person who is popular and a bully. It's in the name, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> for Tyler, there is a juxtaposition with his very close friend Matt Donovan, who is also athletic, but is a very nice guy. Mm. A very, very sweet, down-to-earth boy. And I think one of the reasons for that is because of where the jerk-jock attitude comes from. Real-life society rewarding people for athletic, well, men especially, and boys, for athletic prowess and physical dominance and traditional displays of masculinity Yeah, and how often whatever negatives come with that will be swept under the rug because, you know, it's boys will be boys or it's, you know, this athlete performs well on the sports team and the school likes the good publicity and eventually you end up with a person who feels that their social status means they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, that's you see that especially in like in US schools where
2: sports, especially football are so entrenched in society and in social currency and it's such a like money-making sport that like it filters down to the collegiate level to the high school level. And like you say, it's not a new stereotype because it happens often in real life when you pull out a young individual who can perform for you in this sporting capacity then you just sort of shower them with all the I mean one the praise right which can get to your head as a kid at a young age but also all the privileges of like well now you don't need to study and now you don't need to do a b and c because the only thing you should be worried about in your life is sports you start getting a free ride in all other capacities and as a young person growing up that can warp the way you view yourself and the way you view how you take up space amongst your peers when you're so constantly being prized above the rest of them yes oh i also wanted to say tyler and matt very reggie and moose from the archie (laughs) comics
1: I'm glad you bring up privilege because that is one of the the stark differences between Matt and Tyler and probably also a factor in why they are so different. As we've discussed in the Vicky episode, Matt is one of the few main characters in the show who doesn't come from a place of privilege. He's one of the quote-unquote poorer people in the town i mean i'd call him lower middle class he has a nice house for someone whose mom doesn't even seem (laughs) to work (laughs) his house is certainly bigger than mine was growing up and i have multiple siblings but he's underprivileged by mystic four standards exactly Whereas Tyler comes from a family so wealthy that even the other founding families in town, who are all themselves privileged, are sort of subservient to the Lockwoods and their legacy. So Tyler is like the rich best friend. It, it sort of reminds me, and I don't want to delve too deeply into that show, but it sort of reminds me of 13 Reasons Why, where you had Justin, who for all his sins was leagues better than Bryce. <laughs> Oh, oh, Justin <laughs> and Bryce! Oh
2: God, you're so right.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't put Justin nowhere near as good as Matt when yeah, it comes to dynamics. Like, but I no, see the comparison not. in
2: dynamics. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The, the the dynamic of the the underprivileged friend who has more compassion for others than the rich asshole. And I will also clarify that Tyler is not as bad as Bryce.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well. Tyler Tyler Smallwood in the books In the books Whom yeah. Tyler Lockwood is based on A little bit more like Bryce than you would hope Yeah um, He definitely is yeah. softened for the show And probably
1: for the best It definitely makes him more sympathetic Because yeah in the, in the books Tyler Smallwood Like I think almost Assaults Elena uh-huh. <laughs> She's saved by Stefan Whereas in the show like the worst thing Tyler ever does is He gets... Well, I mean... Well... I don't know how far he I I don't know how far he was going to take it with Vicky. I don't want to downplay what he did. She was was giving a very clear no, and he was just not having it. That's true. Yeah, so... mm, yeah, Yeah, well... Well you know, that was early season one, and maybe the writers hadn't decided that they wanted to redeem this character yet.
2: And frankly, it's only up from there,
1: thankfully. So that's like the lowest we ever get. And that's the only example of tyler really being sexually violent in the show but tyler is quite an asshole and in the beginning of the show his major relationships are his friendship with matt which as i've said big juxtaposition there because matt is such a kind person such a sweet guy you would wonder why he bothers to be friends with tyler and i think part of that is because matt is the underprivileged one tyler is sort of his window into this mystic falls teen inner circle where you have all these founding family kids and bonnie (laughs) who's there bonnie's bonnie's there too (laughs) who are all uh fairly privileged and pretty popular like we know from things that are said that prior to season one elena bonnie and caroline were all cheerleaders matt and tyler on the football team i don't know what position tyler plays matt is the quarterback and that's stated we never find out what tyler does i truly know no other positions in american football
2: so i i
1: I know other positions i just don't know what they do (laughs) okay
2: okay, well And that's the end of our expertise there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tyler mentions that he plays like three varsity sports, I believe. Uh, he's very physically what? active. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, something he says to, to his Uncle Mason when he shows up. We don't really okay. see a lot of it. Like, the most we see is him and Matt, like, l- leisurely playing basketball and Tyler going for a lot of jogs or runs.
2: You gotta love that Troy Bolton fantasy of, like, 5'7 kid who is a university-star <laughs> athlete
1: at 17. You really gotta <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> hey, well, that's why I said I don't know what position he plays in football. Maybe it helps to be small. I don't True. know. I know in rugby, there are positions where, like... It helps to be slightly smaller.
2: Little, um, what's his name? Faf, is it Faf Fuff, du That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that man. Our national treasure. So much I do <laughs> about him. I salute that man. <laughs>
1: But uh, yeah Matt Matt tolerates a lot Of Tyler's toxic masculinity And it's Because of You know All the characters Relationships with each other And this This web That connects them all Tyler is messing around With Matt's sister Matt seems to find that out Like in the pilot episode And he's immediately Like a lot of straight men He's immediately Uncomfortable with the idea Of his friend Being involved with his sister And in this case It's because he knows That Tyler is a douche He knows that Tyler's an asshole And it's like And yet You remain friends with him. You tolerate him. And now now that he's a threat to a woman you care about, it's like, ugh. But to Matt's credit... He doesn't make a huge deal of it. He lets it go. He's not trying to control who his sister dates. He's very, I don't want to say submissive, but he's sort of hostile in mm-hmm. the friendship. Like, yeah, like he 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 lets Tyler get away with a lot. I think that also feeds into why Tyler is the jerk jock. He's hes allowed to do this by his good-natured best friend who never calls him out on it. His relationship with Vicky as well. Jeremy, who was also in love with Vicky, they start off the show as the secondary love triangle behind Stefan, Elena, and Damon. I
2: would push back on that only a a little bit because technically they're the first love triangle for very much the first Arc, like the until Vicky dies, I would say Damon is not romantically <laughs>
1: interested in Elena. They start up in the middle arc. That's fair, that's fair. Damon is still trying to get Catherine out of the tomb that she isn't in. I never get tired of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Let it be sung from the rooftops. But yeah, uh, there's a love triangle with Vicky at the center. Jeremy, who is just pining after her, we've discussed it in the Jeremy and Vicky episodes, and he cannot understand why Vicky is interested in someone like tyler tyler is popular and rich yes but he frequently mistreats vicky he displays embarrassment when she tries to get him to introduce her to his parents he slut shames her sometimes even when she's right there Uh, (laughs) yeah he certainly does (laughs) and once again it's because he has all this shitty behavior that is rewarded because Vicky ultimately chooses him again and again. Even though every now and then she'll slide on over to Jeremy, eventually she'll stop when Tyler gives her the slightest bit of attention or the least yeah. bit of affection. She's like, Yeah, I'm still I'm still holding out hope for Tyler. And a little bit it could be because Jeremy is significantly younger than her. He's like two years her junior. So maybe yeah, she's it's hoping like not a for thing Tyler takes
2: seriously. Yeah. And also it's like, I'm sure there's a complex with we don't get much into it, or rather, I should say I don't get much into it in the Vicky episode because the first episode we ever did, I honestly, we were still just like figuring things out. But I have had a lot more thoughts about Vicky in that first season, the relationship with Tyler and the complex that must exist, right? Because like you say, he's popular, he's attractive, he's a star athlete, football star, as you've apparently like elucidated to me now. And as the show would have you believe, she is a poorer kid from the other side of town. She's also got like her own like drug problems and stuff. She is a very self-assured character, but it's almost like a bit of a front and once you get past that you do see the insecurities of Vicky you do see the sense that like maybe this dynamic has played on her a bit of the amount of power that Tyler has not just in their relationship but in this town yeah one would it be smart of me to leave this relationship considering you know the status of my life she says to Jeremy uh, when they're in that cemetery when she finally does get with Jeremy and Jeremy's like wow this is how you guys live and she's like well yes this is my life this is all I've <laughs> god it sounds a bit gross and calculating but I, this is not something negative i said about vicky but this sort of possibility in this relationship not as an active choice but as a thing of like yes i like this person and also this person kind of elevates me a little bit in a very weird way in this town that has gross classes like shit going on
1: so yeah is,
2: i think there's all that going on too and why vicky doesn't doesn't always leave tyler when she should
1: I don't know. Yeah I think the classism does play into it and also just the high school social status as you say because Jeremy also comes from a privileged background but Mm -hmm. it takes her a long time to consider him a proper romantic option. She's ashamed of Jeremy and that's because at that point Jeremy is like this emo kid who's like evolved into like a fully fledged stoner. The very first scene the three of them have together is Jeremy giving Vicky some drugs at school. Still very much in love with her even though she seems to be like dude that was a summer thing it's it's over now now we're just like friends who get high together and tyler shows up and before he even registers jeremy he sees vicky he seems genuinely pleased to see her but he's immediately dismissive of her friends he's like oh i figured i'd find you here with the druggies," and it's like whoa dude oh. these are her
2: friends all right <laughs> <laughs> that blue blood is showing why don't you cover up <laughs>
1: He does that annoying like alpha male thing where he he makes out with his girlfriend like in front of the other man, yeah for yeah for Jeremy and and then goes further like he oh I didn't even realize at that point Jeremy had like nail polish yes and I was like why did this go away I where did that this. go <laughs> the even moment Jeremy, he cleans his act up he loses his sense of style okay cool <laughs> Tyler makes that lame joke where he's like oh Pete Wentz called he wants his nail polish back Tyler! and I was like <laughs> Homophobia, frankly. Pete Wentz is a bi icon.
2: <laughs> you take that back. <laughs>
1: uh, and I was like, damn, the 2009 of it all. But also, it like. even though jeremy hasn't said anything i like to think that someone like tyler would immediately notice if somebody else was interested in quote unquote his girl yeah i think you're right i think he's
2: peacocking in that moment yeah you don't you never address it in the conversation that the obvious dynamic is happening but you just assert you he's basically pissing between him and jeremy and like daring him to do anything about it that's what tyler's doing in that in that interaction and in most interactions
1: the three of them them have the three of them are so messy during the Vicky <laughs> chapter of that show like i i as much as i think if i had been watching the show not knowing where tyler's journey would take him i probably would have been on team jeremy but i have to say jeremy takes a long time In fact No he doesn't Take a long time He, he never does Jeremy <laughs> fails To respect Vicky's choice Yeah Because yeah He puts himself Out there And he's like Vicky I'm in love with you I think that this guy Doesn't deserve you And I'm kind of hurt That our Past relationship You seem to be implying It was just about Drug use And just like Physical pleasure Whereas I genuinely Like you Also Vicky When Jeremy Initially criticizes Tyler as only Seeing Vicky As a piece of ass Vicky says something Along the lines Of accusing Jeremy Of her the same way she's basically like well there's no difference between the two of you so i might as well pick tyler and (laughs) james hurt by that he's like he's like what do you really think that i i'm only physically attracted to you like no i like you as a person which again goes into that insecurity vicky for all of her lack of privilege is a beautiful woman like like Kayla the actress Who plays her Beautiful woman So she at least She probably does know That boys do see her As physically attractive Even if she finds it Difficult to get Respect in a town For her social status Or her financial status Or her popularity At school mm-hmm, She mm-hmm. knows that Yeah boys chase after me Because I'm hot And she's right. learned that That's probably all They really want from me That is the expectation I have of others now
2: And also in a way That is now the asset That I have In this town yes. So might as well use it Vicky Donovan man Fascinating Anyway <laughs>
1: Vicky revisit
2: did i'm honestly like wow there's more to say on her
1: so jeremy he he puts himself out there he tries to get vicky to go for him and vicky repeatedly turns him down in the initial part of the vicky chapter but in almost every scene where vicky is flirting with tyler or trying to get tyler's attention or trying to get his respect or maybe arguing with tyler jeremy is constantly lurking in the background (laughs) and sulking And I'm like, I get it. The dude is like 15, 16. But it's like, come on, man. Please stop following these two around. You've got to move on. And Tyler, for his part, seems to love rubbing it in Jeremy's face. He only really gets angry when Jeremy provokes him by like going directly to him and in insulting either his intelligence or his worthiness of Vicky. For the most part, he seems pretty secure in the idea that he is the better option, which, you know, of course he's older and richer and more popular. Jeremy has no friends, but several times Jeremy is able to get under Tyler's skin and it always very quickly turns violent. I will say... To Jeremy's credit, he doesn't even really seem afraid of Tyler. No, Jeremy, this is the thing. Je- original Jeremy, I say original
2: Jeremy, technically original Jeremy is the Jeremy we then get afterwards. Jeremy in his emo era will throw hands. Oh, yeah. He is jumping into the fight. He's an instigator, he's a provocateur, and he will throw hands to back it up. I kind of love it.
1: <laughs> he's not afraid. And Tyler's mistreatment of Vicky is a constant source of Jeremy's ire. There's that scene that we briefly spoke about in the first episode where Tyler is making out with Vicky in the woods. She's already blown off Jeremy at this point and Tyler is getting handsy and Vicky is like, oh, we're not hooking up against a tree. Like, yes, you not going past kissing. <laughs> and Tyler is forceful and eventually it gets to the point where Vicky is very loudly saying no and Tyler is ignoring her and she says he's hurting her and then Jeremy materializes because of course he was following them. <laughs> he, he materializes as Vicky manages to throw Tyler off her, and Jeremy is once again ready to throw hands, and Tyler is not about to back down, but Vicky sort of like steps between them and tells Tyler to go away. And you would think, you would think, oh, she's she's done with his ass now. It's like, no, she's angry at him today. Tomorrow she'll be like making puppy dog eyes <laughs> at him again. <laughs> and before Tyler leaves, in his bitterness and frustration, he's like, oh, Vicky Donovan says no, that's a first. And it's like, oh this is this is the way this is the way that tyler views his main romantic interest yeah it's not great i've said
2: it before season one tyler deserves to get bit a little bit
1: actually he does he does but i i'm interested in i i see the 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 various versions of tyler as often being the result of i think a lot of the... I don't want to call them father figures. So I'll just call mm. them the older male figures in his life. Yeah. So in season one, we see shades of it, you know, as much as we'll be allowed in a PG-13 show. That Tyler's father, uh, the wealthy mayor, Richard Lockwood, is verbally and physically abusive. There, there is a, a point later on in the, the story, once the tomb vampires have been let out, that Richard Lockwood meets up while he, he and Tyler run into Anna and Pearl. And Pearl takes an interest in him when she realizes that he's Lockwood, and she's like, "Oh, I can pump him for information on this town that I insist on living in." <laughs> Go see the Ali- episode for how I feel about that.
2: <laughs> Strong opinions on vampires who won't leave Mystic Falls
1: because Pearl is played by you know Kelly Hu, who is another gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Richard Lockwood is appreciative of her um, conversation, <laughs> and he begins to like blatantly flirt with her as his son is right there. This is a married man. <laughs> Married man Tyler understandably gets pissed off He walks away and goes over to Matt Matt asks uh, Tyler who his father is talking to And Tyler's like I don't know All I know is it's not my mom (laughs) He calls his dad creepy He calls his dad out for uh, Well uh, his dad says that Pearl looks like a wealthy woman And she's one of his constituents And you know he's a mayor He needs to get the vote And Tyler's like you can tell all that from looking at her ass (laughs) (laughs) It's honestly interesting to
2: see Tyler kind of decry these acts when it's like you view Tyler and how he treats women and see that it's this is a one to one buddy that's your tree and you're the apple. I don't know if
1: you. Yes, realized. he he, he <laughs> is the apple of that tree. He all all of Richard's violence and toxic masculinity and. Really misogyny yeah. has filtered down into his son. Of course, eventually we learn that some of this is because of the whole lycanthropy thing. There's the there's the well-known scene later on in the story when Jeremy and Tyler are sort of calming down with the whole rivalry thing. It it flares up again and they get into yet another fist fight because Tyler can't help himself and <laughs> slut James Vicky again. He sure <laughs> does. I think there's like there's like three times where Tyler just makes the opportunity to take a dig at Vicky. The first time it's I've said where where he's like Vicky Donovan says no. That's the first. The second time is. At a football game where once again, Vicky has made her choice and she's chosen Tyler. Tyler is feeling frustrated because of Stefan, which I'll, I'll get into that. Put a pin in that. He's yeah. feeling frustrated because he feels like Stefan, Stefan is stealing his shine and he happens to come across Jeremy and he's like, Oh, good. Someone I can bully and make myself feel better.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Honestly, he has an
2: opportunity that
1: fell right into my lap. That's all it is. He goes over to Jeremy and he's like, Oh, don't look so sad, Gilbert. You can have her when I'm done. Vicky is standing <sighs> right behind him when he says this. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> and a fight a fight breaks out and the final time I think is actually after Vicky has died although I don't think that Tyler and Jeremy are aware of this because of all the lies that Elena mm-hmm. and the Salvatore brothers have concocted but Jeremy is Surprised at a career day to see that Tyler has some artistic talent and some interest in art, which Jeremy himself—he's a bit of a, a sketcher—so he goes over to Tyler trying to make some polite conversation, and he's like, "Oh, like it's it's interesting that that you like to draw." And Tyler is like, "Why the hell are you talking to me?" <laughs> And Jeremy's like, no, it's just... Common ground. It's something I don't know. Um, else that we have. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to... <laughs> it's something else we have in common. <laughs> um, and Tyler's like, something else? What? What's the other thing we have in common? Vicky? Like, we, we should Ooh. be friends because we screwed the same chick? Oh. And before... <laughs> before jeremy even has time tyler once again slut shames vicky by saying jeremy can go be friends with any of the other number of men that vicky has slept with <laughs> he doesn't need to be friends with
2: Tyler. she's not even here and she's catching strays she's dead in the ground she's and- dead
1: <laughs> <laughs> and given given how the other side works it's possible that she was she there in that moment listening to the <laughs> They almost fight, and then Alaric and Mayor Lockwood break up the fight, and then Mayor Lockwood leads the two of them away, and Alaric's like, where are you going? And he's like, no, no, I'm just gonna, you know, they, they should, all fight, shit in, in a handshake. I'm gonna make them, you know, yeah. apologize like mature boys and walk away from this with their heads held high. Then he leads them out in the back of the school, and he's like, okay, we're all alone. Fight. Like, get get this out of your system. I'm tired of this nonsense. Just beat each other up for, like, here. I just, I just want this to be over, because that's how men solve their problems. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, you know, at, at the idea of this parental authoritative figure g- telling them to now fight for his satisfaction, both both teenagers are like, uh, no, it's no. okay, <laughs> we don't want to anymore.
2: <laughs> now that you want us to do it. And I'm glad it's a moment for Jeremy to see like, oh, oh, this is some weird shit. I don't want to get involved in. Your dad's messed up. Jeremy
1: is perplexed. <laughs> Tyler looks a little bit more like embarrassed slash annoyed. And I'm like, I don't think this is the first time that his dad has done something weird like Similar. this. Or at least mm-hmm. expressed this kind of mentality. Yeah. Tyler tries to leave. Jeremy tries to leave. He stops them both. And eventually he's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to fight in there like pansies. You're going to fight out here like men. <sighs> and he's... Sh- He physically shoves Tyler into Jeremy trying to get them to fight and thankfully Alaric shows up at that point and diffuses the situation somewhat with his own display. Of alpha male posturing because unfortunately that's the only thing that someone like Mayor Lockwood responds to. Only language they understand. Mayor Lockwood gets angry at Alaric. He threatens Alaric by saying, "Oh, you know, I'm the mayor of this town. I could have your job like that because Alaric is uh, a high school teacher in the town." And Alaric's like, "Yeah, you could do that." And then maybe you and me will be in this parking lot having a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that is the
2: reality of it, right? Is that once you put rick and mayor lockwood next to each other (laughs) once a real man shows up (laughs) and mayor lockwood retreats into the power of his wealth and his privilege rather than his fists because that's all a show right that's all the pretense and the peacockery of masculinity and then rick shows up who's largely a very chill dude sees a bunch of kids that need to be removed from an unsafe situation and goes are we gonna go right now because i'll go and i will win so just know that up front. And that ends the whole situation. That is the immediate deflation of
1: Richard Lockwood. And I love it. Before he leaves, though, he tells Alaric, you've been marked. Which is an interesting phrase. Let's put a pin in that. We will come back to that phrase. <laughs> I just he says, realized. you've been marked. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll come back to that later. We'll come back to that, but yeah, on the topic of Tyler's jerk jock status, it's mainly rooted in in those three relationships. His relationship with Jeremy, who is his rival and the easy target to bully because Jeremy is less popular. Jeremy is younger. Jeremy is supposed to be physically weaker. Stephen Armarequen doesn't look like a very
2: <laughs> is weak easily person. five or six inches taller than Tyler and is not a small guy. <laughs> But he's every every fight they him. get
1: into, if they're left alone for long enough, Tyler wins the... Like, Tyler gains the upper hand. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's fine. He's... Fair enough. He's the athlete. And then it's Vicky, the girl who he... There are times when he does seem to genuinely like her. Yeah. As I'm sure in his own household, his father has some measure of genuine love for his wife. But he just can't seem to help himself When it comes to his ill treatment of her. He just doesn't have enough respect for her ultimately.
2: So you say three. I want to introduce the fourth one. And the fourth one is Carol Lockwood. I think that both avenues of his upbringing. While Carol Lockwood is definitely a character. That most of the time is supposed to be like. The oblivious. Slightly foolish Often tipsy mom character, (laughs) often tipsy. (laughs) That is who (laughs) Carol turns into. Early Carol Lockwood is very much like Southern white woman, mayor's wife, rich white woman in a small town. She plays that excellently. Where it's like Richard Lockwood, very much the overt masculine figure, the one who pulls you into an alley and makes you fight your friend as some sort of show of force. Carol Lockwood sits in polite society. Dresses up in a really nice dress And puts on impeccable makeup And then tells you Your gutter trash girlfriend Shouldn't be at this party She does And That's I want to say That's who Carol Lockwood
1: goodness. <laughs> I, I, I want to say Carol Carol also Far more observant Than her husband Because Yes The first scene Where Tyler has Again convinced Vicky That this is a real relationship And that he really <laughs> He really is the best option She's working as a waiter You know As you do When you have bills to pay And your mother is never around uh-huh. um, She's working as a waiter And she's serving Tyler and his parents who are at the Mystic Grill because there's nowhere else to go in that town. She is sort of being very smiley and flirty with Tyler, and I guess assuming that Tyler's about to be like, oh hey, mom and dad, this is my girlfriend Vicky. Or at least this is Vicky. (laughs) This is Vicky at all. (laughs) Mention me in some capacity. (laughs) Tyler gives no indication that he even knows who she is. much less that they go to the same school or that he's been <laughs> friends with her brother for years. She, she asks if Tyler wants a refill and Tyler's like, no thanks. <laughs> and she, she hovers for a bit and then his parents are just like, oh, thanks, sweetheart. And then she walks away and she's like, no problem.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which, considering the setup of this town, it's insane to think they wouldn't know who she was. She's, exactly.
1: She's a Donovan. The Donovans are known. What? The Donovans are known, and I'm just like, if Tyler's been friends with Matt for so many years, like, you must have glimpsed her, like, once around town. Like, picking you up from their house or something. I guess they,
2: you would never have gone to Matt's house because... I don't want to project on Matt, but I was very much the friend who—I mean, my parents probably wouldn't let me have people over, but I would not invite my friends over to my house, knowing that they were like at least even slightly well-to-do kids. Like nobody's coming over to my house to visit, so I don't know if it's like, oh, they've just never been to pick up Tyler from Matt's house and seen Vicky in the background. But it's a small town. They're the mayor. It's and a the small town, wife. and they everyone knows to know everyone. They went to school together with their parents.
1: <laughs> but you know you know what it could be? It could be that these rich elitists have genuinely just forgotten who she is because she's not important oh. enough to remember. It could just Oof. be that. It could be like, you're a waitress, and I genuinely didn't absorb what your face looked like when you walked towards our table. Yeah, so I didn't realize who you were. But Carol, because um, the mother always knows, Carol immediately clocks the tension. Between Vicky and Tyler, she doesn't say anything, but like she has this lingering look where she's like, "Now, why, why is my son avoiding looking at? Why, why is my womanizing son avoiding <laughs> looking at this pretty girl standing by? <laughs> why is table? my horny seventeen-year-old son not following his penis for once? This is insane." <laughs> <laughs> Later on, when Tyler's parents have left, he immediately switches back to like, oh, hi, Vicky, I'm, I'm mm. flirty, I'm playful, I'm groping you at work. Um, and Vicky's like, oh, so, so now I'm worthy of your attention because your parents mm. have gone away. So now you know me. And Tyler's like, what? No, it's not like that. Like, I don't, I, I, you, what, you, you think I'm ashamed of you? Why would I be ashamed of you? And then Vicky basically has to lead him into into inviting her to one of the many mystic falls parties that are honoring their freaking founder families like they always Mm -hmm. do jeremy who's lurking nearby as always is listening with a keen and jealous ear (sighs) as vicky says oh if you're not ashamed of me how come you haven't invited me to the party and then tyler's like do you want to be my date to the party and then vicky's like no that's stupid why would i want to go there (laughs) (laughs) mind games I love her. <laughs> T- Tyler, in a surprising display of charm for him, is like, "Yeah, it is stupid. I hate these kinds of things, but it'll be more enjoyable if you are there with me." Oh. Um, and then it's like, "Oh, look at you, mustering up some affection for this poor girl." Oh
2: God, that is the thing, isn't it? It's like. You play the math of like every five sentences he says one charming thing So it's worth it I guess to stay with him It's like no girl
1: get out It's enough for Vicky because she's suddenly like Tyler walks away And she's like you know giggling at her phone sort of energy Like oh my gosh he asked me yay <laughs> And then Jeremy he speaks to her and he's like he's like, You realize you had to ask him to invite you It's like Jeremy wh- where did you come from did you jump out of a dumpster
2: were you listening to that entire conversation buddy (laughs) i'm proud i'm
1: proud of vicky because at that point she's like screw you jeremy
2: (laughs) (laughs) like what are you doing
0: here
1: i'm like does does jeremy just go to the mystic grill every day sit there not order anything and just like wait to see what tyler and vicky do (laughs) i think so
2: i think he sits in that back corner hood on earphones in and just
1: seethes watching them be a couple (laughs) when her shift ends he comes to her with the minutes of the day and he's like okay so here are all the ways tyler mistreated you that i wouldn't have (laughs) (laughs) in that scene jeremy tells her that tyler is the wrong choice but she's making it anyway and she she does look a little bit like confused and in in that love triangle i will say vicky you are the oldest Amongst these three people And you are kind of Toying with these boys They are constantly At each other's throats Because you can't Make up your mind It's not like she is <sighs> Solidly disinterested In Jeremy She's very flirtatious She's very friendly She keeps coming to him And being like Actually you know what It wasn't just Sex and drugs I did like you yeah. But then Tyler <laughs> And every time Tyler upsets her She welcomes Jeremy's affection And attention But then Once she's calmed down And Tyler like You know Does the bare And then she's like Okay Tyler's my boyfriend again Yeah I guess I can't sit here and expect
2: the 15-year-old in this dynamic to make the emotionally healthy choice and just disengage from all this. For him, this is like the greatest love he's ever experienced in his life. And in a lot of ways, that's true because it's the only one he has experienced. So it's like, Jeremy's not going
1: to let this go, you know? I don't know. When they eventually go to the party, that's when we see that Tyler is definitely embarrassed by Vicky. He, he makes a beeline for her when he sees her approaching so that he doesn't have to let her in through the front door where his parents are welcome be guests into their house he's like no let's go around the back because this queue is too long and <laughs> i don't want you to have to wait in line
2: yeah this is for you and i want to make your experience at this party better i'm not hiding you from my mom
1: he spends the entire night like keeping her away from the family and vicky isn't dumb she clocks what's going on and she she asks she like she she tries to give him a chance to you know be a gentleman be a nice boyfriend And she's like oh this is a beautiful house that I've never been to, even though we've been involved for months. Do you want to show me around? And Tyler's like, no, the house is stupid. Let's stay exactly where we are. <laughs> oh,
2: god! <laughs> Listen, no one said he was smart. Unfortunately <laughs> no one said Tyler Lakura's smart.
1: And then Vicky Vicky is like, oh okay. Or we could just sneak upstairs to your bedroom, since you know that's that's probably all you're interested in using me for. Or or, or maybe I could just go get drunk and give the pastor a lap dance, cause you seem embarrassed like you seem worried that I'm gonna do something wild and crazy because I'm gonna trash. <laughs> Vicky. Did you say give the pastor a lap dance? That's what she says She's like, oh, maybe I should just go give the pastor a lap dance and Now we know she was talking about Pastor Young So, you know, you can't have that mental image Well, I think she calls him Pastor Bill I don't know if that's Pastor Young's first name No idea uh, No idea Speaking of Tyler Lockwood and first names His father's first name changes in his first appearance Oh! As I've mentioned once before He's Charles The first time he's addressed by name His wife calls him Charles And then forever after that, he's Richard so like, Richard's better,
2: Dick Lockwood Lockwood. It works perfectly. Yes, Dick Lockwood.
1: <laughs> now imagine if he'd kept the original surname of Dick Smallwood Dick <laughs> <laughs> That would have been unfortunate.:
2: I do think that's why they changed it to Lockwood, though quite honestly. I think Smallwood worked in the '90s when that book came out, but like 2009 right for, for yeah. like, joke material.
1: Interestingly, I think if he had remained Charles, that name is like its, it's root is linked to Carol um oh, his wife's name and caroline so <laughs> wow for whatever that's worth the oedipus complex is real <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get to caroline I'll we'll get, get to caroline, to caroline. <laughs> <laughs> who is largely irrelevant during tyler's jerk jock era oh yeah they barely interact But yeah, before, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself I've got a lot to say about Caroline Love mm. love, love Caroline's role in this story But um, Tyler tells Vicky In that scene, oh no, you're being crazy girl I'm not embarrassed by you And Vicky's like, well come, let's, let's, let's go meet your parents And Tyler's like, no, 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 no <laughs> Let's not do that um, and she calls him out on it. She's like, she's like, yeah, you're. It's it's pretty pathetic that you can't stand up to your mommy. And it's interesting that she 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 chooses mommy, not both his parents or his father specifically. Oh yeah. But she chooses she chooses the mom as the thing that he's he's afraid of. Whether that's to emasculate him. Because or... she's clocked
2: the dynamic at the, at the very least. She can see that that's the fear there. That's the Richard Lockwood doesn't have a huge issue with Vicky. If he does, he doesn't really. He's not invested in that respect. The most Richard is involved is that, oh, my son has a girlfriend. Okay, good. I know he's not gay. That's about as yes. much Richard is
1: concerned with. I think, yeah. I think absolutely, absolutely Richard would respect that Tyler's dating this girl because she's hot. It's not that deep. Yes.
2: <laughs> and it's important that Richard thinks she's hot, even though she's a minor. But we won't get into that. Oh, oh no. Carol. <laughs> Carol is the one to worry about because the moms, especially with boy moms, is the thing. Vicky knows she's a boy mom. She's very protective of her, her perfect son. And she's the one that Vicky has to either impress or deal with. When it comes to being Tyler's girlfriend Vicky sees the whole game
1: Yeah and Carol because of the dynamic Of these Mystic Falls elite families Carol Lockwood is the one who'd be like Let me examine your entire pedigree mm-hmm. And see Whether you are worthy Of being with my son Even, even just for a bit Even if this isn't like a long term thing How dare you approach our family tree And not be a Gilbert Exactly
2: You're not a Gilbert you're not a Fell. Like, who do you think you are in
1: this? Vicky and Tyler start arguing in that scene. She's trying to drag Tyler off, I guess, towards his parents. And Tyler gets angry and like a, a little bit physical. Like he yanks his arm out of her grip. And then Carol appears and she's like, what's going on here? Like, what's, what's, what's the <laughs> issue? I, I sensed discord in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I teleported with my demon powers <laughs> to neutralize it before it harshes the social vibe. I like that in that scene, Despite how it ends Carol apologizes for Tyler's behavior. She's basically like like my son is a boorish idiot He gets it from his dad. I'm so sorry for his rudeness Vicky immediately becomes subservient and she's like, oh, I'm I'm uh, no ma'am. It's it's fine. Uh, We were just talking falls into the trap. Carol is like, oh, you're you're Vicky, Matt Donovan's sister, right? And I'm like, Mm. you see you knew you knew who she was. Why were you acting funny the other day? (laughs) She's (laughs) playing the long game. This is the shit that these (laughs) rich
2: southern white women do. They're playing the weird social web.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Vicky tells Carol, no, no, no. uh, Tyler and I were just saying goodnight and she she leaves in a huff and Tyler does seem genuinely sad to see her go. But his mommy is behind him, so he doesn't say a word. (laughs) uh and carol carol leans over and whispers in her son's ear that's what happens when you let the trash into the party um which damn carol what did vicky ever do to you beautiful performance of just like a
2: vindictive middle-aged woman i love her i forget her first (laughs) name what is the actress's name again i can't remember her i mean she's she's much nicer as lydia's mother oh but she's the same person <laughs> she's a nicer version of this character by
1: relativity <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Lydia, she I, I love that she plays lydia's mother and the actor who plays richard lockwood plays um jackson's father he's
2: jackson's dad yes he's also the same character there although i believe it there more that he's like a loving caring father even though he's a rich douche they're they're yeah. very concerned about their adopted son who seems to be like struggling in high school school and they want the best for him i like that dynamic a bit more i thought you were gonna say it's funny that she played lydia's mom and then the guy who played um styles's dad is her husband in real life linda nash
1: oh is he yes okay
2: cool the original johnny cage of mortal kombat
1: a lot of crossover in these supernatural teen shows
2: yeah exactly
1: a random jogger that logan fell snacks on is scott mccall's mom
2: oh melissa delgado
1: she jogs past logan fell who's a newly minted vampire briefly floats with her and then he eats her and it's like oh not nurse mccall
2: yeah not (laughs) melissa mccall Yeah, I said Melissa Delgado. I forgot that, like, the whole thing is that she married a McCall and she's the Delgado from which Scott is, like, because the actor, obviously Tyler Posey, is Hispanic. And it's like, oh, we've got to kind of show that somehow. i had always thought, because I didn't know that that actress is Hispanic. In fact, I'm not sure. I'd have to double check. But, like, I always thought his dad was Hispanic and then he was, like, not in the picture. And then when his dad showed up and he was, like, this white FBI man, I was like, hold on. What's happening here? <laughs> I'm confused. I was
1: actually, I was never entirely sure about the casting of Tyler Posey's on-screen parents when it came to their ethnicity. But that's just because I didn't Google the actors. That's fair textually though they they codify that scott is hispanic so oh, that's okay. kind
2: of fun lead character of the show
1: that's better than tyler lockwood gets because tyler yeah. lockwood is played by michael trevino who is hispanic uh, both his parents are played by white actors
2: he's like literally <laughs> the son of immigrants from mexico and it's like
1: yeah you're this white <laughs>
2: blue blood kid in southern virginia i think
1: his his mother is an immigrant i think his father was a second generation Mm. uh mexican-american gotcha um and then his character is just you know tyler lockwood english surname family's been in the deep south since the 1800s known enslavers (laughs) oh we'll get to that I think um, his embarrassment around Vicky shows that he, he knows exactly what kind of parents he's been saddled with. Again, he's not all that surprised when Richard tries to get him to fight Jeremy. And in the aftermath of that fight with Jeremy, we begin to see Jeremy soften up and be like, oh, I'm kind of messed up because of my home life. And I realize that Tyler is also kind of messed up. Because of his home life He tries to be compassionate Tyler's all like I don't want your pity And punches <laughs> Jeremy in the face <laughs> For once Jeremy doesn't fight back He's just like Dude what is your problem? Like Like, Does like it You don't to have do to be day. like this You don't have yeah. to be An aggressive douchebag Like What's your deal? And then Tyler Takes a moment Like he's like Even stunned at himself And he's like I, I don't know And walks away And in the background You can see a full moon Hanging <laughs> in the sky <laughs> <laughs> as cheesy as the full moon part is
2: i do love that scene because it really takes the thing at face and goes yeah there's a lot going on here and even the person experiencing this is recognizing that like god i can't seem to get out of this whirlpool of like i don't want to be this and i appreciate that it's not a thing you often see in real life because like you say this is an archetype that exists in our real lives we've all encountered these sorts of men and like young boys who are so beholden to the these patriarchal ideals these misogynistic ideals this this idea of strength of anger and of violence as a positive thing as like the thing you should aspire to as a masculine person in society and very rarely do you get that it's the difficulty in the discussion we're having about men especially today and the empathy that we have to show if we have any intent of like shifting the regime and like the paradigm, but it's difficult to show when men themselves don't want to abandon these ideals. It That difficulty, that empathy of like, you can choose another way. You have to want to get out of this. You have to cherish other ideals. And it is a story at the end of the day, but it's nice to see that even in his own eyes, he's like, well, shit, man, I honestly don't know. I literally just punched you five seconds ago. And in the minute, nobody was also escalating as I'm escalating. I had a second to go why am I doing
1: this (laughs) you know yeah
2: it's very refreshing
1: and I think it's both well for Tyler canonically it's both nature and nurture right it's because he's been raised by this douchey father who by the way in the in the scene where Richard tries to get them to fight and he's like you're not gonna fight in there like pansies you're gonna fight out here like real men yeah (laughs) he says that's what my father taught me and it's like, oh, yeah, this shit goes cycle. deep.
2: <laughs> this shit is an old ass redwood tree, and the roots keep digging deep. <laughs> Actually, I think redwood trees' roots are notoriously shallow, so maybe that's not the best tree at all. <laughs> um, botanists,
1: help me out, thanks. But it's like, it's like Tyler is this way because his father has raised him this way and his father's father raised him this way. So that's the nurture side. But also, obviously, Mayor Lockwood's father would have been a Lockwood. And we know that the Lockwoods have this family curse, which is stated to come with rage and aggression issues. And it partially explains why a lot of the time Tyler just cannot seem to keep his hands to himself like he's it's very easy to get him upset whereas jeremy you know jeremy's more prone to sulking he'll throw hands but usually only when tyler has been like bring it on jeremy i'm gonna kick your ass it's like it's like his catchphrase with jeremy in those first like seven episodes like i'm gonna kick your ass i'm gonna kick your ass at one point jeremy's like you keep saying it but you don't make a move And everyone's looking at Tyler like,
2: you keep really going on about kicking this 15-year-old's ass. I don't know if we're supporting you in this. Uh, but it's it's interesting because the lycanthropy, the whole werewolf curse thing, is textural. But then it is also sort of a metaphor or allegory or whatever the correct term is. I'm always mixing them. Of the sort of patriarchal aggression, right? Because up until season two, we get this vibe that the werewolf gene seems to be passed down men. And we're told that my father, his father before him, it is this biological thing that affects them. But it is also representative of the issue of... Patriarchal culture, the issue of masculinity coming down the generations, and how that, especially at this pivotal time, like you said, we're at the beginning, this coming of age of Tyler, it influences you when you're deciding the kind of man you're going to be. So it's it's an interesting, like it's it's in the text, it's subtext, it's 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 all over. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's very well done.
1: Lycanthropy as this sort of allegory for patriarchy has always interested me especially with these supernatural shows because often these characters who are werewolves will be overwhelmingly men as opposed to witches who will usually be women mm-hmm. even in a show where males can be witches so in Vampire Diaries most of the witches we see are women whereas most of the werewolves we see are men and it's 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 interesting when you, when you compare the curse of lycanthropy that the Lockwood men have to deal with with all the rage and aggression and the toxic masculinity versus how the bennett witches are this like proud matriarchal family they seem to pass the the surname down the the mother's the side woman line yeah because yeah, it's like when, whenever you find a woman she's a bennett witch and i'm like this surname hasn't gone away in like 200 and you years You named your kid a bennett you'll <laughs> manage to do that through the
2: 1800s beautiful beautiful
1: <laughs> but also that the bennett witches also get saddled with a lot of the yeah the negative sides of what society expects of women. They are always matrons, they're always having to help and fix and nurture the servitude, other people's issues. Yes. Yeah. Especially as black women. Uh-huh. Just, uh huh. Just so that we can wrap up the jerk jock arc. While Tyler's main role in season one is to be Jeremy's rival and it's it's much stronger when Vicky is alive it's definitely as as much as there is some affection from Tyler's side there for Vicky I think it's very clear to see that ultimately Jeremy did love her more for
2: whatever that's worth
1: for whatever that's worth once Vicky is dead Tyler does feel guilty i think there's a there's yet another party that's had in the aftermath of her death where kelly donovan matt's mother has come back to town and she's in mourning and she's she's dealing with it by drinking and not dealing with it and she and tyler get to commiserating while she tells tyler that i don't really want to think about vicky's death right now it makes me feel sad tyler's like well it's all i can think about because i accept that i was a pretty bad romantic partner to her and now I can never, ever make it up to her. I can never be better. And I wanted to be better. I just didn't really know how. And now it's too late. And then they start flirting and drinking (laughs) together. And he makes out with his best friend's mom. Uh, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, uh,
2: Listen, in the story, in the text, right? Tyler's wrong for that. That's a crazy thing to do. Yes. But... Outside of the text, I sort of go, why are you as an adult? I understand you're grieving your dead daughter and
1: you have imbibed a bit, but like. Absolutely. (laughs) Kelly, this is a 17 year old child who is the same age as your baby son. Your youngest child (laughs) What are we doing girl They're both really drunk And the the sad thing is In that scene While Tyler You know He has has that brief moment Of clarity Where he's like Yeah I was a shitty boyfriend And I feel bad They talk about Matt For a little bit Which is strange They were just talking about Matt How did he slip their minds But they talk about Matt For a little bit And Tyler's like It's nice to see that At this party Matt is sort of letting loose That's sort of how Matt's dealing with his grief He's like Well my mom is sad I'm not gonna stop stop her from drinking my sister's gone i can't really you know take care of her anymore so i'm just gonna try and have fun and cut loose and the minute he does he and elena round the corner and see tyler and kelly making out he's like what the (laughs) hell dude i let my guard down for one
2: second one second i give myself a break from being the responsible one for a minute no but i i do think it's interesting putting those two together especially in opposition to matt where it's like matt who's always doing his best to like do right by everyone to be responsible to try and hold everything together tyler and also kelly are these characters who can't seem to help but screw things up yep right it's almost a curse funny enough that like everything they touch just messes up or falls apart that archetype never sits right with me Because I'm always just like, I don't know, man. At a certain point, you've got to pull yourself together. You've got to take some responsibility. But I, with age and with life experience, I've come around to be like, sometimes, man, things just don't go your way. Sometimes you get a streak of things just not going your way and you make a lot of stupid decisions. So I kind of get it. So I I think it is interesting to put them together in this one colossal (laughs) screw-up. Yeah. (laughs) these two characters. It's like their energies combined to create one big mess. (laughs) (laughs) like karmically they overlapped the pi
1: orbitals combined (laughs) and the shenanigans redoubled that's the perfect way to put it and matt is understandably livid in that scene and for once he doesn't he he's not the bigger person he's not like yeah i'm gonna be calm and let tyler get away with this nonsense the way that i let him get away with beating up my ex-girlfriend's little brother and messing around with my sister and bullying people all the time at first Matt doesn't get physical I will say he is enraged but he doesn't get physical until Tyler's like oh come on dude like relax it's not that big a deal I just made (sighs) out with your mother (laughs) calm down You're doing the perfect voice. And it's like, all right,
2: well, now we're flying off the handle. Donovan, knock his lights out.
1: Matt punches Tyler in the face. But much like all Tyler's altercations with Jeremy, once Tyler hits back, and it's insane that he hits back. It's like, Tyler, you are very much in the wrong here. What are you upset about? But, I mean, is he in control is the question. That's the question
2: that's been in flux since the full moon scene. Is like, did he intend... With conscious effort to fight back, or was that just instinct?
1: He snaps and starts to beat the living daylights out of Matt. (sighs) Eventually... Someone has to pull him off. I think it's Alaric again. And after that, their friendship is just in icky waters for the rest of season one. Like, once Tyler has had a chance to calm down, as he does, he's like, oh, yeah, let me let me go and bury the hatchet. Like, Hi, Matt. Want to hang out? And Matt is just like, <laughs> I'm not going to fight you, but I'm also kind of just going to ignore you at every turn. Like, <laughs> yeah. And by this point in the story, Caroline is dating Matt. Caroline, a person who initially... Tyler didn't really approve of Matt being with not because he doesn't think she's attractive. Candace Acala gorgeous woman so naturally Tyler's like, yeah, she's hot, but he's like she's so high maintenance like why would you Why <laughs> would you go funny. for her? <laughs> yeah, why would you Tyler? I wonder <laughs> He was used to the Caroline who wasn't her best self, the human Caroline. But eventually Matt Matt gets him to like to stop. he's like he's like, dude, I like her and I don't need to defend myself to you And Tyler's like, okay Okay, fine. Whatever. Um, so once they have their falling out, interestingly, it's Caroline who Tyler goes to once or twice to be like, hey, look, I'm trying to make amends with Matt. I said sorry. Like, what more does he want? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, every man ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Caroline is like, my brother in frowning family shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can't believe that's the end of it you can't believe that solves the problem (laughs) you made out with matt's mom and then you beat him up sorry is is hey it's gonna take a lot more than sorry but we're bros i don't
2: i don't get it he's supposed to be my bro i said sorry so he must be (laughs) my bro now (laughs) dude please
1: eventually the hatchet is buried uh because of situations outside their control i think matt and caroline are on a date at the grill while tyler is playing pool nearby he's often playing pool nearby i've noticed that's like if jeremy is sitting at the grill like sulking and sketching (laughs) tyler's at the grill playing pool pool shark tyler lockwood (laughs) but just as uh caroline who of course she's trying to support her boyfriend matt and she understands why he's upset but she she's also trying to be like hey i can see that my man. And misses his best friend Like, I know how much they care about each other In spite of the weird dynamic their friendship sometimes takes She tells Matt, hey, you know this one time Bonnie and I had a fight And we thought we'd never speak again And Matt's like, please don't, Caroline (laughs) She's like, okay (laughs) And this is the episode in which the Founders Council is enacting their plan to get rid of the remaining tomb vampires.
2: Yeah, this is like the finale, right?
1: Yeah. Mayor Richard Lockwood in a an interesting scene for what will be the last scene with his son. He goes to Tyler and he's like, I thought I told you to go home. Because, of course, the founding families don't want their kids around when this whole vampire hunt is going down. Like, I thought I I told you to go home and Tyler's sulkily like, well, I decided not to. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) Yeah, well, I did what I wanted anyway, so I don't... And his father snaps and he's like, listen here, you little punk. When I tell you to do something, you do it. And he like grabs Tyler and then Caroline... Caroline stands up and she's like, hey, 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 like, what's what's the issue? Like, what's what's going on? Like, Mayor Lockwood, like, is, is everything OK? And whether it's because of Caroline's presence, you know, she's the daughter of the sheriff or whether he just takes a beat to be like... Ah. How do I best get my son to respond to me in this moment? Mayor Lockwood changes tactics and he softens and he, he pleads earnestly with Tyler. He's like, Tyler, I really need you to go. Please just just go. Like, take your friends with you. You kids need to leave here. Even you can take the keys to my car. I just, I need you guys to go. And by this point, Matt and Caroline are like, mm, what's going on? And he's like, I can't tell you guys what's going on. Just please believe me when I say you need to get out of here. And then I think taken aback at his father being sort of gentle for once sincere the sincerity <laughs> throws tile and he's like okay yeah i'll i'll go also you're giving me your car so. <laughs> so i'm obviously gonna do that
2: see this is uh, I'm, this is the interesting and frustrating thing about that moment i said this to a friend in uni once when i forget what the situation was it might be that like someone was having issues with a boyfriend or something and they were like trying to understand why is he always angry all the time? And just like it just seems like he doesn't feel any other emotion. And in my very um, youthful and inexperienced on matters of life brain was like, you know, sometimes I feel like with a lot of guys, you know how normally as a person you have like, if you think of a, emotions as like a bunch of channels that are heading downhill and like water flows down all the channels as you feel different emotions. For some reason for men, there's like gully, At the bottom and it catches all the water from every single channel and funnels it all the way to the right right into the anger channel everything flows into the anger channel like i choose to believe that there's something else going on beneath that there's some feeling you're trying to express but for some reason you feel the only way you can express it is through anger and force and it's like richard lockwood obviously in that moment even as he tries to forcefully grab his son it's like clearly you're worried for his safety and you're trying to get him to leave town why is this the avenue you choose to express that? Yeah Why is it the moment someone else calls you on it, you soften, then you get to the point where it's like, "Here's what I'm actually trying to say." How do we get you to that point first?
1: Rather than roughhousing your kid. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Masculinity is weird, man. (laughs) (laughs) Masculinity is weird. And Tyler is in in the worst circle of it in season one. He's in the trenches. He's unable to see the way Matt behaves and think to himself, Oh, maybe I should be more like this. Because in, in his mind, as much as he likes Matt... Matt isn't something to aspire to It's like oh look at Matt Matt's girlfriend Dumped him and (laughs) (laughs) Look at Matt Matt has to Settle for Caroline who's Right because Matt's a chump right The thing is yeah
2: Matt's nice but being Nice just gets you screwed over If you're the nice guy you finish last. that's What we heard all the time growing up Of just like yeah don't waste your time Being genuine and being sincere And being kind because you won't get anything Out of it it's all transactional
1: And what Tyler gets out of his shitty behavior Behavior is a lot. Like his he's he's privileged, he's popular, he gets the girl, quote unquote, until you know eventually he goes too far and Vicky's like, okay, I want Jeremy now. Yeah.
2: At the end of the day, he doesn't get the girl. At the end of the day, he's miserable because he's mistreated everyone within his reach. Matt doesn't speak to him for five episodes because he's an asshole. You don't really get anything long term. Because at the end of the day, people wake up to your bullshit. And Matt survives
1: eight seasons. (laughs) <laughs> I th- I also think it's it's interesting that when Vicky becomes a vampire and her emotions are heightened she has like one scene with Tyler where she goes to him and she almost attacks him and the Salvatores have to rescue him. Then Damon in true, true Damon fashion is like, I'm going to kill Tyler because he madly annoyed me during this conversation. <laughs> Vicky is like, "No, no, no, don't don't, don't you dare hurt Tyler." And I'm like, "Okay, she does care a little bit, but after that it's Jeremy that she's fixated on when she's got all these heightened vampire urges." So deep down, she knew who the real man was. <laughs> And that's that's just it Tyler Tyler is an immature Bully Little boy For all of Season 1 And it's because I think it's because He has all these Safety nets For lack of a better word Around him that That let him feel That yeah. I can kind of Do whatever I want Because at the end of the day I'm still going to be popular I'm still going to be rich I'm still going to have parents giving me this this trust fund. I'm still going to have girls who find me attractive. It's it's never going to be that serious. And then his father, unfortunately, passes away. And that just rocks his life. The Gilbert device, unfortunately, has the power to affect... Untriggered werewolves for some reason Never explained why untriggered werewolves have ears That would be that sensitive There's never another instance where their ears are that sensitive That's that's why I was confused by it being a sonic thing I thought it was just like a
2: magic resonance thing And I was like yeah other supernatural creatures That would work Other ones that aren't witches
1: It kind of is because Emily Bennett is the one who spells the device so that it actually works. So the device affects Richard Lockwood. And for some odd reason, Liz Forbes' deputies, I mean, hey, they were doing their jobs. They didn't think to themselves, the mayor has been taken down. Are we sure he's a vampire? They're like, nope, everyone must go. (laughs) We're going to kill him too. No questions asked. And I wonder, to an extent, that was the narrative, like, karmically punishing Richard Lockwood for the everything that he represents as a character because he's he's not just the toxic masculinity and the the abusive father he's also the legacy of these founding families and their fanatical unfair treatment of vampires and there's also this colonizing aspect to the lockwoods that we've spoken about before the lockwoods specifically because they're the ones who became so rich by snatching up all the land that the tomb vampires had left behind once they were exterminated or once they were entombed a lot of whom a lot of those tomb vampires are pocs as well like uh beth ann and frederick and harper Harper. (laughs) i mean
2: you say a lot but it's really three out of what 27 I'm fairly. Well, I I don't know the the, the
1: extras. Maybe some of the extras were I don't remember too well. I was mentioning the ones who had been given names by the script. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. Also, Pearl, you know, Pearl, Asian woman.
2: Yeah. But I I'm always hesitant because that is the framing, right? In that season that the vampires were I mean, they were done dirty by the council, obviously, in that like nobody wants to be imprisoned in a magical tomb for however many years. Or I guess that's not what the council did. They were just trying to kill them. The, nobody wants to burn up in a fire, but also... And that
1: some of them weren't harmful. Some of them weren't, like, a danger to society. They seemed to respect human life, like Harper and Pearl.
2: Yeah, but, like, it, I'm just always hesitant in terms of, like, them using vampirism as this allegory for, like, minority. Because this is not the freaking X-Men, you know what I'm saying? It's like... <laughs> vampires eat and kill people. <laughs> That's kind of the thing that goes start to finish with this show. A lot more vampires that exist are the vampires that eat and kill people. And in the eighteen mid-1800s, mid I don't think it's an insane thing for... Not to be like, I'm pro Mystic Falls Council, <laughs> but it's not an insane thing to go, we need to rid this town of vampires. They're killing our people. That's not a crazy thing. Damon has a line in the episode when he's trying to free... Catherine and Stefan realizes he's not just trying to free Catherine he's trying to free free all the vampires and Stefan goes they're going to kill all the people of Mystic Falls and Damon's like they deserve it for every every single last one of them for putting them in the tomb." it's like I don't think the vampires aren't black people the vampires aren't (laughs) enslaved people right who are done dirty by colonizers most of the vampires are white most of the vampires are like gentry or like just like regular people from the colony of Mystic. I don't think that they're a minority (laughs) allegory. I don't think that's a good idea if that was the intention. They are monstrous, right? They are, a lot of them learn not to be, a lot of them choose the path of like, oh, I can drink from blood bags, I can do this, I can do that. But like, it's it's just a strange position to take on vampirism. I think that's also the, the intent with Augustine, Which I think Augustine is largely stupid, but I do think that (laughs) it does well in going, okay, we're five seasons in in our vampire story, and we know that vampires are generally a threat to humans, but humans are also capable of a violence that is commensurate with vampires once they have the right tools and the right amount of time, right? That's kind of the idea there. But even there, it's like the whole point of the Augustine society was to try and use these vampires that have been slaughtering people to like maybe better human society. It's very strange to position vampires as this like persecuted minority. I don't know.
1: This is so unrelated. I to, guess I to, guess <laughs> I yeah. As ahead. far as the council knows. So I was just I was just thinking that it's this it's sort of this bookend thing for season 1 right. where Mayor Lockwood is He's dragged away with the rest of the remaining tomb vampires. And rather than, you know, dying in the flames with most of them, he is killed by one of the tomb vampires who happens to be lying right next to him. And it's like, oh, they, they finally got their revenge <laughs> on the founding families. <laughs> yeah, I
2: suppose. I mean, it's, it's uh, does Richard Lockwood deserve that for that? I mean, I guess so because they are directly descended from and uphold the same, you know, ideals and traditions as they did. It's not a situation where it's like the regular people of Mystic Falls who have no idea what happened in 1850. It's like the founding council are direct descendants of the people who locked you away and are upholding the same traditions of the people who locked you away i guess it's like yeah comeuppance
1: i suppose though the tomb vampires particularly the, in particular those ones who are there in the finale um sans anna are like directly antagonistic towards the founders council as well they're like we're gonna show up here pearl is gone harper's gone there's nobody here to ask us to behave those who have skipped town have skipped town but we're staying here we're gonna kill all the remaining founding family members including children to just like get our last licks in i don't know maybe maybe they all suck maybe that's the lesson (laughs) yeah i think we need to get more comfortable in a they all suck situation
2: i think that's fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) except that anna dies and damon gets away but you know ugh
2: God, but
1: yeah. <laughs> More importantly, the device also affects Tyler, who is driving away with um, Matt and Caroline at that point, as his father has asked him to. He's supposedly well out of range of where the device was supposed to be able to reach, but it still affects him. He is in excruciating pain, crashes the car, and they're in a car accident. It looks as though Tyler has been injured because he doesn't seem conscious. And I think, I think that's sort of what ends matt's anger at him for that season like as matt watches his friend and thinks that he's dying he's like oh my gosh please be okay like whatever else might have happened at the end of the day like i do love you like
2: a brother it's friggin' travis barker going down in that plane and surviving and it's like well shit we gotta bury the hatchet we're getting the band back together you know Yeah, that situations will change everything that might not be a reference for everybody um <laughs> <laughs> i had blink 182 on the mind this week so <laughs>
1: Uh, But Caroline loses consciousness a few moments later. Initially, I thought that only after Caroline's life was hanging in the balance did Tyler's eyes flash that golden amber werewolf color. It happens when he's lying on the floor after the accident being examined. By the EMTs. And Caroline and Matt are still standing up seemingly fine. So unless the magic could sense that Caroline was about to drop from from (laughs) life-threatening injuries.
2: What happens if you put someone in a coma?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know whether the the eye color was just a a random werewolf flex. I don't know. Or whether it was because the curse was like, I'm about to get activated. I'm getting ready. (laughs) The conscious sentient curse coming <laughs> out conscious. of its cage. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? Actually, since now we're we're at the end of season one. So that happens. His curse is not triggered because Caroline ultimately is rushed to the hospital, given Damon's blood, she survives. But as we enter season two, in the aftermath of Richard Lockwood's death, and on the human side, on the Founders Council side, Carol Lockwood is beside herself she is upset she's like i don't know which one of you screw-ups screwed up but my husband was not a vampire i don't know how you let this happen liz forbes and liz is like um i didn't do anything john gilbert knocked me out i actually was not spirit i actually was thing. against this plan bitch don't come <laughs> at me because your husband screwed up <laughs> she's like it's not my fault that you and your husband were being chummy with john gilbert of all people that doesn't evil. even live here
2: over me I've been holding this town together I've been committing so much Police brutality Trying to keep this stupid town together
1: Don't come at me And Liz is like I don't really care I'm the one whose husband is dead So you know, I'm very upset <laughs> Uh, And I think I'm allowed to be upset. Damon, of all people, has to defuse the situation. He's like, ladies, ladies, please, let's not fight. We're all friends here. It was a tragic thing that happened. And as soon as they leave, on the supernatural side, Damon's like, okay, Stefan, I want to know what the hell is going on with Mayor lockwood's family because he was affected by the device i'm now hearing that tyler was affected by the device because he had a car accident the lockwoods aren't vampires so what the hell are they and that leads into the mystery of the werewolf chapter damon and Stefan are trying to figure out what exactly the lockwood family mason lockwood comes to town seemingly to mourn his brother who has just died his brother who's like 15 years older than him (laughs) Quite a bit older than him. I don't actually know how old Mason is supposed to be. He
2: gives me, like, finished college a couple years ago. But, like, hasn't left the vibe
1: behind, you know? Maybe? Maybe a aging well 30-year-old. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I can take that. He's old enough to have last seen Tyler when Tyler was 10. Which was seven years before. So 25 minimum. Yeah. Because, I mean, he would have had to be, like, an, an adult to, like, skip town and just, like, you know, ditch everything. 25, between 25 and 30. He sees Tyler and he's like, Tyler, oh my gosh, look at you. You're like, oh, this grown-up muscular jock. Like, in my mind, you're, like, 12. And Tyler's like, that's two years older than the last time you saw me. Oh. <laughs> It becomes uh, clear that Mason is snooping around for something called the Moonstone. Tyler immediately knows where it is, but he doesn't give it to Mason. Because, you know, this this uncle who he barely knows, he's like, I don't trust your intentions. And I want to know why you want it. At first, he thinks that Mason is like looking for heirlooms to sell. And Mason's like, no, no, no. I just want this. I want this sentimental Moonstone that my father gave to my mother uh, when he married her. It's like a family heirloom. But it doesn't really mean anything to the family, so I just wanted, you know, keepsake. And Tyler's like, oh, "Okay, sure, I'll have a look around. It's definitely not already in my pocket. I, I'll let you know if I find anything." <laughs> also, I have to say, as a family heirloom, ugly as hell. I don't know why you would
2: give that to your wife and be like, "My darling," it's enormous. <laughs> I can't imagine it on a
1: pendant. That's crazy. It's possible Mason was just lying about that. Because, I mean, if it's if it's been in the family, it would have stayed there anyway, whether his father gave it to his mother or not, since she's yeah, the one true. who would have been marrying into the family. So he could have just been lying. Tyler's like, I don't trust you, uncle, I haven't seen since grade four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was nine in grade four so a lot of americans were too he might have he might have been ten in grade five oh yeah they do that half and half thing don't they when your school year starts in september stuff. september gets yeah <laughs> that's so odd so while tyler is suspicious of mason's intentions he doesn't yet know that anything supernatural is going on whereas the salvatore brothers mostly damon become obsessed with finding out oh what's going on they they suspect that if tyler is supernatural. He knows about it. Damon being Damon, keeps engineering <sighs> very dangerous situations <laughs> to try and prove his his theory. At first, it's simple. He's just like keeping an eye on Tyler and he's like, hmm... I don't know the the kid is pretty strong and stefan's like yeah he's strong because he's a jock like that's not <laughs> that doesn't like mean a he's football superhuman. player uh, <laughs> built like a door i think it isn't crazy and then they see mason arm wrestling tyler and beating him with such ease that they begin to suspect "Hmm, maybe mason's the one who's supernatural so damon damon like the childish older brother he is forces <laughs> stefan to volunteer it's like who else who, who wants to try arm wrestling mason damon's like stefan wants to go <laughs> and he arm wrestles mason and loses i assume he was holding back somewhat because I have to. a vampire would be stronger than a werewolf in human form damon accuses stefan of not trying and stefan's like no no i i was i was trying he was not as strong as a vampire but he's definitely too strong to be human. Then Damon gets excited and as he does when he's high on emotion, he makes dumb decisions and he's like, okay, cool. Let me go find the nearest useless human character to use for my own ends. On that day, it happened to be Carter, a dude that Bonnie had been flirting with and he compels Carter and he's like, okay, okay. I want to see if the Lockwoods are like superhuman. For some reason, I'm not going to go for Mason who Stefan just told me was super strong. Instead, I'm going to go for the teenage boy. So he's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. You are going to fight with Tyler. Tyler until he fights back and i want to see what he does does he fling you across the room does he speed off like the flash like what's what's going to go down i think it's cuz they weren't having luck with mason i
2: think mason's a lot more controlled in his emotions and they know that tyler's a hothead so tyler will be easier to set off
1: tyler is a hothead but i will say at the beginning of season 2 he's already Showing shades of trying to handle himself better, yeah. Like he's not—he's yeah. not as easy to upset. Like when Mason beats him in the arm wrestling match, his pride is wounded. All his school chums have seen him lose, but he backs down. Like he looks pissed for a second, and then he's like, "All right, Mason's the winner. It's fine. I'm just—I'm just, I'm just going to walk away." And it's like, "Oh, look at you, Tyler. You didn't like kick a table or something. You didn't stop <laughs> beating someone to a pulp. I mean, low bar, <laughs> but you're jumping it. This is good." <laughs> The poor, compelled guy starts to pick a fight with Tyler. Tyler's like, dude, I don't even know you. Like, wh- what are you doing? Like, leave me alone. This doesn't make sense. It's funny how the fight starts out where the guy, like, shoulders Tyler and, like, bumps into him. And he's like, oh, how dare you bump into me? I must fight you now. And Tyler's like, ah, uh, this seems like an insane response. Could never be me.
2: <laughs> Tyler's the one going, you don't need to escalate this. I'm already walking away. <laughs>
1: growth <laughs> but of course you know being under mind control the guy doesn't back down he starts to fight tyler tyler starts to fight back and then mason jumping around like spider-man <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun seeing taylor can he do that i wish the werewolves did it more often <laughs> too high acrobatic score. He just, he he leaps around like a gymnast. Uh, His eyes flash that uh, golden yellow werewolf color and he's able to stop the fight by, I think he, he knocks the guy out. Stefan and Damon see from afar that are like okay so this guy is not a human being and tyler glimpses mason's eyes flash that unnatural color so later on they speak about it and tyler's like dude what was that like what in the x-men is this (laughs) and mason's like no dude it's just i don't know what martial art he names he says i do brazilian (laughs) jiu-jitsu oh yes Which, you know what? He's a surfer dude from Florida. I can believe it.
2: He might know crazy martial arts. He might know how to use a samurai sword. Who knows? I can
1: see him having some poorly translated tattoo on his bicep that he's like, yeah, this is the name of an ancient Japanese swords maker from the 1600s. And then it's like, nope, that's the Japanese word for milkshake. Barbecue. Tyler's like... You're not about to gaslight me, Uncle Mason. I saw your eyes turn golden. And Mason's like, it's a trick of the light, Tyler. I think you're tired and you need to go to sleep. (laughs) i find it interesting because now we're entering the werewolf era of tyler i find it interesting that at the same time that this is happening caroline has just become a vampire yes i was gonna say earlier funny enough that
2: car crash is like their simultaneous birth in a strange way yeah
1: it's so beautiful and i'm so excited to talk about it uh, because in broad strokes caroline is injured she's healed with Damon's blood Catherine Pierce suffocates her. So she wakes up in transition because the blood was still in her system. She completes the transition and becomes a vampire. And she struggles. Boy, does she struggle. Um, She has Stefan to help her. She has Elena's sympathies. Bonnie alienates her, which is so sad to see. (sighs) I mean, yeah, she's coming from a place that makes sense. It's still hard, though. For the most part, she's she's not dealing well. Also, her mom is on the Founders Council, so she's like, I can't let my mother, the vampire hunter, find out that I'm a vampire now. That's the big one. It's funny how often Tyler and Caroline's orbits, like, cross over, but don't quite align yet. Matt was often the thing drawing them together. They ran in the same social circles, but they didn't seem to really like each other much. Or, like, they didn't care much for each other. There's a scene in season one where they're at a party. Tyler comes with drinks and offers drinks to her and Bonnie. And Bonnie's like, nope. There was a party last year where I was hungover for like the whole weekend after I took a drink you mixed, which I'm like, hmm, interesting. Okay, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna take it as he makes his strong drinks because he abuses alcohol because he has a stronger tolerance and he didn't even realize it because of his drinking, and <laughs> it doesn't funny. mean
1: anything concerning. It doesn't mean anything else. We're moving on, but Caroline is like, oh, Bonnie's being boring. I am gonna get drunk until someone here is hot enough to make out with, and Tyler's like. Uh, same girl, <laughs> but despite being two attractive, popular characters, they aren't talking about each other. They're like, no, not you. <laughs> They're like, we're gonna go our separate ways and find other people to other people to make up with. Yeah, <laughs> and slowly but surely, in season two. The threads are pulled closer together. The same unfortunate guy that is compelled away from his flirtation with Bonnie to start a fight with Tyler ends up with a bloody nose because Mason knocked him out. And it is that blood that draws newbie vamp Caroline to him and she loses control, feeds on him and kills him, which haunts her for several seasons afterwards where she's like yeah I lost control and I killed someone and I never want that to happen again so that's that's what Caroline's dealing with in the background while Tyler who is still human is like no something's going on with Mason The next day, or some days later, uh, Tyler is still suspicious of Mason and decides, uh, I'm going to stalk him while he goes to his morning run. Mason runs all the way to the old Lockwood estate, which I suppose is different from whatever property Tyler lives on.
2: Yeah, all these families all have old houses and new houses. We learn about the Salvatore's old house that burned down. It's like, damn, you're just rolling in it, aren't
1: you? I would have loved to see where the Fells lived. (laughs) (laughs) The fell every
2: fell we meet is not part of any central family unit. There just seem to be a number of disparate fells that all don't talk to each other. What's the fell backstory? The poor
1: fells. They are truly the Ravenclaws of that group. Yeah. It's like the the one that's just mentioned but never really explored. <laughs> Eventually, Tyler finds the underground uh, Lockwood cellar and he's like, what is going on in here? What in the whips and chains excite me? Like there's (laughs) manacles, there's chains and shackles, barred reinforced doors and all sorts of peculiar claw marks on the wall. At the same time, the Salvatore brothers and Elena are trying to decipher the exact nature of the Lockwood men's seemingly inhuman qualities. So they enlist Alaric's help and they go off to Isabel's uh, alma mater They do some digging Just to find out If they are dealing With real werewolves Meanwhile Tyler is like I'm gonna go ask My mom Like what's going on With this creepy cellar I found on my property (laughs) And then The closest we ever get To acknowledging The setting of this show (laughs) um, Tyler's mom is like Oh Tyler That creepy Underground torture dungeon Looking place It's from the old Slave days Let's We don't talk about Bruno She's like No no one likes to reminisce about the old slave days, but that is what it is. And Tyler's like, oh, okay then. Right. <laughs> um, and then I don't know whether it's because he wants to do more digging or whether he doesn't believe his mom or whether he thinks she doesn't know what she's talking about. She did marry into this family after all. But Tyler seems fixated enough on that seller that he's like, I'm going to have a big high school party. On those grounds. Yep. <laughs> there was a swimming hole nearby. Let's have a party. And then Tyler's mother's like, okay, just be careful because if anyone is injured on our, our property, Liability. our very wealthy family will be liable. Yeah. At the party, Tyler and Matt briefly discuss Caroline's distance with Matt. Matt doesn't know but it's because of her vampirism and how she feels that she's a danger to him. It's, again, like echoes of Caroline dealing with similar growing pains in the background. Mason shows up at the party and he's like oh why are all these children here I was hoping to be alone. This is a uh, very
2: concerning time
1: for there to be people nearby. <laughs> T- Tyler, I, I kind of need you and your friends to like pack it up by nightfall. Just because, you know, it's, people get drunk and we don't want accidents to happen. And Tyler's like, oh, I thought you were the cool young uncle. And now you're like the party killer. And Mason's like, no, you can keep partying. You don't have to go home. You just can't stay here. There you go. <laughs> and Tyler's like, all right, right, all I'll all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do so. He doesn't, though. Everyone else packs up and leaves. Caroline and Tyler's orbits once again uh, cross for the briefest of moments. She's feeling jealous that a girl named Amy Bradley um, is chatting up. (laughs) Sweet Amy. We love Amy. (laughs) We love Amy. Too good for that world. But Amy Bradley is uh, chatting up Matt Donovan, um, who at this point is still... In a relationship with Caroline There's just been some distance Because I think she's just Gotten her daylight She's
2: just had her Stefan patented uh, Vampire Vampire 101 Of course Yes So she's now Finally feeling comfortable enough To like Broach The space with Matt
1: And she sees Amy talking to Matt. She gets jealous, you know, as Caroline does. And she compels Amy to go away. Her exact words are, find someone else to flirt with. And uh, Amy leaves. Later on, Amy is spending time with Tyler, seemingly still acting under Caroline's compulsion. And when everyone else has left, or almost everyone else has left the party, Tyler leads Amy into this creepy underground cellar. And he's like, this looks like a fun spot to make out. And it's like, Tyler, you seem quite fixated on this creepy slave seller where you're not gonna make out with a a poc yeah like
2: i know i'm south asian but i'm feeling a sense of solidarity with i think the people your family's screwed over so i don't know if i want to be here but caroline's
1: compulsion i guess the immediateness of the instruction wears off and Amy's like, wait a minute, why am I, I- I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna hook up with you <laughs> in a slave cellar. I actually like your friend Matt. And Tyler's like, damn. And she's like, she's like, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna go. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. I understand. And I'm I like, get it. look at that. The bar raised one level higher because a year ago when Vicky tried to leave a makeout set. How
2: far we've risen from the muck <laughs> of the crowd.
1: <ground>. He's evolving. <laughs> Damon, Elena, and Alaric at Duke. Uh, Stefan didn't go with them, presumably because he was uh, doing the aforementioned Vampire 101 for Caroline. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've discovered that apparently werewolves do probably exist. Uh, They are the mortal enemies of vampires, and their bite is said to be lethal to vampires. So Elena calls Stefan and she's like, Hey, uh, don't really know what's going on with Mason and Tyler, but we think werewolves are real. And if you and Caroline get bitten... We have reason to believe you'll die. So Stefan's like, oh, cool. Let me tell Caroline. She was just standing over there talking to Matt. Nope, she's gone. Okay, gotta go find her now. (laughs) Caroline, much like Tyler, in the middle of a makeout sesh. uh, She's not in a slave cellar though. She's just in the woods. (laughs) Thank goodness. She's patched things up with Matt. But as she makes out, the bloodlust overwhelms her and she starts to feed on him. Thankfully, Stefan pulls her off him in the nick of time. And then they hear something in the woods. Growling, moving around them because at this point, Mason Lockwood has shifted into wolf form. He tried to go to the cellar, but because Tyler and Amy hadn't actually left at that point and were still kissing down there in the slave dungeon, he was like, Well, shit. (laughs) Gotta go find somewhere else to do this. Gotta go
2: elsewhere to tie myself up other than my reinforced three
1: level security max. Like, God damn it, Tyler. His physicality in that scene, I don't know why, just reminded me of, like, someone who desperately wants to use the bathroom but is like, oh no, the stall is occupied. Gotta go somewhere else. He's, <laughs> like, holding it in. <laughs> and the it is the wolf. <laughs> he eventually turns, like, inside his truck, breaks out as Stefan is, like, snooping around and then runs off and then later reappears when Stefan has found Caroline. Elena hasn't told Stefan this. Elena had heard that werewolves will tend to go after vampires rather than humans, if they have a choice. I don't think Stefan knows that, but Stefan does tell Caroline that, okay, we're going to tell Matt to stay down. Matt is a bit dazed from the blood loss, I guess. And now we're going to vamp rush away and the wolf is going to come after us. But we need to go like top speed to lead it away from Matt and also not get caught. So they race off. And unfortunately, they happen to run all the way to a slave cellar, where <laughs> Tyler is just... <laughs> all roads lead back to the slave cellar. <laughs> Tyler comes out. He's like, what are you guys doing here? And Caroline's like, what exactly are we running from? And then Mason jumps out of the shadows in wolf form and pounces on Caroline. It's so terrifying because she has no Idea what's going on and she's like screaming For Stefan to help her Stefan Tackles uh, Mason off of Caroline And then the wolf like turns around And gets ready to attack them and then Tyler Yells no and for some strange Reason the wolf responds to him He's still acting a bit aggressive but he Does like make eye contact with Tyler And then run off Mm, to be clear because I don't know
2: if it needs saying but this is a Full wolf this is like He looks like an
1: actual real Life wolf if maybe a little larger i don't even think he's larger because like like the twilight wolves for instance are wolf-shaped but huge like yeah, certainly not that big.
2: Certainly not that big. Like, actually, no, you're right, because I forget wolves are actually quite large. They're not like dog sized. Like, wolves will come up just above your waist, I think. But the point being, it's not on the level of comparisons with other stories that do lycanthropy It's not like a werewolf form that's like kind of man, kind of wolf. You
1: transform into a wolf. Which put a pin in that, we'll get to that in a moment. Mason runs off and they don't see him for the rest of the night. Caroline compels away Matt's memories of. Of her vampirism. Caroline decides ah, I think this relationship needs to end just for his safety. And Stefan's like, I ain't gonna tell you what to do, girl, but she's like, no, I uh, mm, It's the most responsible thing, yeah. And she asks Stefan, by the way, what are we gonna do about Tyler? Because yeah. kind of seems like something's going on there. He saw us we encountered a werewolf now we don't even know what he knows and doesn't know and steven's like yeah we'll handle that just deal with your relationship drama first and so caroline engineers a fight with matt so that you know he breaks things off with her and thus caroline forbes is now single <laughs> uh, <laughs> wonder why that would be important <laughs> all right anyway As dawn approaches, Tyler comes across Mason's truck and his his literal bondage, as well as his spare clothes. And Mason, who is human-shaped again, is like, Hi, Tyler. Uh, Well... You caught me. (laughs) I think it's a few days later, because it seems as though some time has passed. And Tyler's like, Mason, we need to talk about what happened the other night. You've been avoiding me.
2: Yeah, remember when you turned into an enormous freaking wolf? I think maybe that
1: warrants some explanation. And Mason's like, what is there to discuss? Like, yeah, I'm a werewolf. Don't make such a big deal out of it, bro. Like, come on. (laughs) Tyler keeps, like, insisting on info, and Mason is like, no, look, the the best thing for you is to be kept in the dark. He does let slip that it's a curse that must be triggered, and he tells Tyler that Richard Lockwood knew nothing about it, and it's best if Tyler doesn't either. But that's, that's all the info that he gives Tyler and mason goes off to socialize at the gilbert house because he knew jenna summers in high school because as we say everyone in this town knows everyone in this town (laughs) all interlinked all in the web around this time Catherine pierce has breezed back into town because it's season two year of the cat this is the episode in which we learn about Catherine's knowledge of the lockwoods specifically george lockwood one of tyler's ancestors who because i guess As we'll learn, the moonstone is important to werewolves. She knew that George would see this as something valuable and worth bargaining for. He keeps it and that's how it stays in the family forever until we get to present day where Tyler's walking around with it in his pockets, I guess, and lying to Mason that he doesn't know where it is. In the same episode, Damon antagonizes Mason, who is... Mason's trying to be like, Bro, I'm a surfer, dude. I didn't watch Twilight. I don't believe in this whole (laughs) werewolf versus vampire nonsense. We don't have to be enemies. I'm not involved in that (laughs) shit. Like, don't
2: get me started. And what does Damon do? Gets him started.
1: Damon's like... I'm not having fun unless I'm making enemies. So let me stab you with silverware and see if the, you know, the folklore about werewolves and silver is, is true. It isn't. And that becomes confusing going forward. But apparently the silver has no effect on Mason whatsoever. And then Mason's like, okay, well now I'm annoyed. Now you've made an enemy. And Damon's like, Ooh, I'm so scared. (laughs) (laughs) Damon pisses me off. It's like,
2: what are you doing, dude? He was just here. He was just in town, in his home. And you decided to start some shit, and now you're getting huffy? Oh my god.
1: I think Damon just is so confident in his superior superpowers, I guess, that he does not consider Mason a threat at that point. Which, oh, we're not going to act so pro- Don't act shocked. Yeah, uh, true. <laughs> true. I'm sorry, Madam CEO. You're always right. <laughs> When Mason gets home, Tyler goads him into telling him how the curse is triggered. And Mason's like, all right, you punk ass kid. You want to know the answer? His exact words are human blood, which then turns out to just be a figure of speech. He means like blood on your hands. You have to cause a human death and then the curse is triggered and it is permanent.
2: arguably blood not really required. You could snap somebody's neck and, you know, no blood spilled. But I like that
1: they use that phrase human blood because it sort of mirrors vampirism Mm -hmm. where you have to die and then drink human blood to complete the transition so yeah tyler tyler still doesn't give him the moonstone because i still don't know why you want it i'm like you know what more intelligence and cunning than i would have expected from tyler Lockwood. from tyler because he's like nah you don't strike me as someone who's very concerned about being the
2: man of the house that doesn't (laughs) fit you don't have like a john gilbert vibe so like you're clearly here for something else
1: Not that Mason isn't a bit of a mentor. Not at all, yeah. Towards Tyler. Because, yeah, because once Richard Lockwood is out of the picture, that is a role that he briefly fills. And if anything, it's the thing that pulls him out. Or at least
2: for the brief time that Mason is able to influence him. It's the thing that kind of centers him again, I think.
1: Mason, even before he comes clean about the whole werewolf thing, he's alluding to the nature of lycanthropy. And he's like, oh, Tyler, I noticed that you go into, like, blinding rages really... Really easily. Is that, is that something you've noticed? Like, does it flare up maybe once a month? Like, at (laughs) night? when the moon is full (laughs) beating him over the head with a shovel
0: figure it out
1: (laughs) and Tyler's like well I haven't noticed that but I've noticed that yeah sometimes my my blood just boils and I just I can't control myself it's like I black out and Mason's like hmm yeah you you need to learn to work on that (laughs) and once he has come clean about lycanthropy and how the curse is triggered he's like okay so now you know it's human blood that triggers the curse there's a flashback where Mason tells Tyler that yeah one i was just partying it up in florida you know surfer dude from a wealthy background who's blown through his trust fund already when my friend jimmy we'd all been drinking but jimmy just comes up to me and he's like oh you've been sleeping with my girl and i'm like what dude no be chilled and then jimmy (laughs) attacks me and he beats me up and i try to get him to stop but you know then i get angry because i'm a lockwood man and i tackle him to the ground And he cracks his head on the concrete. And it's like, oh, snap. Mason's curse is triggered because of this. And we later learn that Catherine, who was romantically involved with Mason at the time, although I don't think was being open about her vampirism, had engineered the whole thing as she does. Mason shows up and he's like, oh my gosh, Catherine, babe, Jimmy attacked me for no reason because he thought I was sleeping with his girlfriend and I accidentally killed him and now I feel all weird. Maybe I'm just in shock. I don't know what's happening. And Catherine's like, oh my poor sweet baby, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Grins into the camera like, (laughs) (laughs) everything's going according to Like my plan. (laughs) All this to say that Mason's like, dude, all that takes is one mistake, one accident a debt that you was intentional or otherwise and you're stuck with this forever so this whole rage thing you need to learn to get it under control. But for some reason Tyler is less afraid and more fascinated by all this. He's like, okay, I'm still very interested in this whole, which I don't know, maybe he's being a dumb teenage boy and he's like, cool, my family have superpowers. I don't know. Yeah, it's like you're 17 and your dad's
2: just died and you don't really have much going on, like, in your life. It's like this would be something fascinating, like this legacy of your family that you didn't know about, that your dad didn't know about, you know, it's something so separate. And so mysterious and secret, I would be a little fascinated.
1: <laughs> Mason's general shadiness about the whole moonstone thing probably yeah. is also making him question like like do do I have all the info? Speaking of Mason, around this time Stefan tries and fails to mend fences on Damon's behalf. You know, he as tries he does
2: so hard. <laughs> he tries so hard to fix that problem. Not
1: two seconds later. Mason decides, I'm gonna stir the pot and goes to Liz Forbes and he's like, Damon Salvatore is a vampire and so is Stefan. And Liz is like, that's not possible. I know Damon. He's my friend. Also, he can walk in the sun. Mason's like, you gotta get over the whole sunlight thing. It's, it's not relevant. They're vampires and I can prove it to you. <laughs> he spikes some drinks with Vervain and allows Liz to, from afar, catch Stefan and Damon reacting negatively to them. Mason leads Stefan and Damon into the woods. Because uh, they believe he's the reason for the vervain. And then Liz and her deputies show up and shoot them and take them down. And drag them off to yet another cellar. I don't even know which one it so is many I thought it was
2: the Lockwood cellars. <laughs> this is a different set of cellars?
1: Maybe it is. Because Mason would have known where. So yeah, that makes sense. Meanwhile, Caroline is like, okay, now my vampiring picked up on gunshots, Elena. Like, I think something's going on. And I don't see either of your boy toys or my mom. Let's go and investigate. So she tracks them into the woods and then mason appears and he's like i know you're a vampire caroline and i'm gonna tell your mom at his threat of outing her to her mother she like takes a step towards him and then he grabs elena you know ever the available hostage and he's like i'll snap her neck if you try anything jesus mason and i'm like whoa mason for someone who like yesterday was like i'm so chilled i'm not here to make enemies you quickly decided that you'd be happy to kill teenage girls Wild escalation, frankly. And she vamp rushes at him, knees him in the crotch, flings him across the woods. There you go. (laughs) They do ultimately manage to save Stefan and Damon from being killed by Liz and her deputies. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Jeremy and Tyler, an unlikely pair, and in one of the last instances of them spending time together until like... I don't even know season, season three. (laughs) Mid season three. Yeah. Tyler's like, hey, Jeremy, you know, now that we're not fighting over the same girl and I have other things that interest me, like my family's will, of course. Do you want to like come over and like hang with me and some girls? Amy Bradley is going to be there. This girl named Sarah who has a thing for you is going to be there. And Jeremy's like, yeah, cool. Let's hang. They go over to Tyler's house and Sarah is snoopy and spots some of Jeremy's artwork. In his satchel She goes through his sketchbook And it's full of all these Like wolf pictures And Tyler's like Now why is this What's that about? Why is this boy Doodling about wolves? That's a little... He's like, hey, Jeremy, come over with me to the other room to look at some of my sketches. You know that one conversation we had about how I'm also an artist? In the middle of season one, all these mid-season conversations we have. <laughs> come over here to the study away from the girls and let's let's just uh, have a private convo. And then he rounds on Jeremy and he's like, what the heck are you up to? Why are you doodling wolves? What do you know? You know, by this point, he's used to Tyler's violence and he's like, you choking me against the wall is like one of the least violent interactions we've had i'm chill dude he's like i know your secret i know about the werewolves i know what you are (laughs) and tyler's like well i'm not actually anything yet uh my uncle mason is a werewolf but how do you know and jeremy's like my ancestor jonathan gilbert who was constantly in everyone's business also journaled about your family and a lycanthropy curse which i'm just like if jonathan gilbert knew that it is wild that he just took that to the grave and never, never tried to out the Lockwoods or anything like
2: that. Was the noble Bond... Between founding families so strong That he
1: was willing to just take that To not warn anyone about that That's insane I mean a lot of the time They they say that towards the end of his life Everyone thought that he was crazy and Rambling so maybe it was Difficult for him to convince anyone but I'm Like this is the same man who burned Emily Bennett At the stake when she had done nothing to Anyone I keep forgetting that Happened
2: oh my god (laughs) Maybe that's what threw them over Like nobody was super concerned about A black woman being burned at the stake but it did sort of make them go hmm i don't know man this is a lot <laughs> <laughs> like the vampires were real but now you're just getting
1: crazy like dude it's 1864 not we're like 200 1684. years past 84 the nonsense <laughs> yeah like but while jeremy and tyler are hanging out with these girls well this is around the time that tyler tells jeremy about the moonstone he's like yeah um my uncle seems to be obsessed with this little thing And then the girls come in and Sarah snatches the moonstone away from Tyler and decides to play keep away. And Tyler gets annoyed and chases after her and accidentally knocks her down a flight of stairs. And as she lies at the bottom of the stairs motionless for a few seconds, Tyler's like, Oh no, did I just kill someone? Did I just trigger my curse? Oh snap! And then Sarah opens her eyes and she's like, "Psych, I'm okay. How are you have seen <laughs> I hate that.
2: She's so annoying. <laughs> I like the actress though. She was in the Starving Games, which is like a parody of the Hunger Games. Back when parody <laughs> movies were a thing, the very tail end. And she's also the Regina George of Mean Girls 2 She plays Mandy.
1: Yeah, Mandy with an, favorite with an eye Mean
2: Girls movie with an I.
1: You. Yes, that's that's literally how she introduces herself in one scene. She's like, "Hi, I'm Mandy with an." (laughs) Eye. Oof, that movie was rough. (laughs) Poor Megan Martin. I need her to do more. I hope she's okay. So then later on, as Mason is like trying to check up on Liz Forbes, who, unbeknownst to him, is being detoxed from the vein so that the Salvators and Caroline can compel away all her memories of the day. Uh Tyler shows up and is like, uh, Uncle Mason, I almost killed someone today. And weirdly, when I believed she was dead, I almost felt like relieved. That I had triggered the curse? And that feels icky. He's so unnerved and disgusted at that feeling that he's like, I, I've decided I actually don't want anything to do with this anymore. Here's the moonstone that I've been hiding from you. Just take it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it relieved in the sense of, I get
2: cool werewolf powers? I'd assumed relieved in the sense of that anxiety is
1: gone. Like at least it's over and done with. He doesn't elaborate. Is the thing he just describes positive feelings in that moment, and it's like, yeah. yeah, I think maybe that just scared him a bit. Where he's like, I don't want to be the kind of person who'd be happy that I killed someone. So he gives Mason the Moonstone, and Mason is like, Yay, Catherine, <laughs> babe, I got the thing. <laughs> we can go. <laughs> that doesn't happen because Jeremy has decided to just like stick himself in the supernatural at this point, as we mentioned with Jeremy episode and so uh he works with Damon to try and figure out where the moonstone is at this point alaric has learned that this moonstone is connected to something called the curse of the sun and the moon the werewolf part of the curse was sealed in the moonstone and that must be why mason is after it because curses can be undone if you have you know the ingredients that created them in the first place so maybe he's trying to free werewolves from the curse uh, this is the same episode where Mason finds out that the Salvatore brothers are alive. The Salvatores learn that uh, Mason is involved with Catherine thanks to Bonnie's psychic powers. She bumps into Mason, sees a vision of who she thinks is Elena, and then Stefan's like, nah, it couldn't be Elena, I think it's Catherine. The Damon is like, Catherine couldn't possibly be interested in this fool, she must be using him to get the Moonstone. And if she wants the Moonstone, She must want it for her own reasons, although we have no idea what those might be. Damon and company. And I say Damon and company, not because Damon is the leader, but just because he's like the primary antagonistic force (laughs) at that point (laughs) towards Mason. They enlist Bonnie's help to attack and detain Mason. Uh, Bonnie does some cool witchy scrying to try and figure out the location of the Moonstone. And then Damon begins to torture Mason for further info, while the others go off to look for the stone. Mason is in enough pain that he's like, "Okay, okay, I'll talk." Captain wants the Moonstone to break the werewolf half of the curse. He rips out Mason's heart before Mason dies. Before Jeremy leaves, Mason's last words are asking Jeremy to help Tyler. Oh, which is funny because I don't think they have any more scenes for the rest of the season. <laughs> no, he very much does not help Tyler in any way. <laughs> <laughs> truly because after that Jeremy's like in his I'm falling in love with Bonnie arc and I don't think he even shares a scene with Tyler again. and that's you know what good for you buddy
2: but like damn dying man's words does that mean nothing in this town Jeremy's like
1: I'm sorry I saw a pretty girl and, and then I forgot <laughs> <laughs> And who among us? <laughs> Tyler Lockwood and Carol are deceived into thinking that Mason has skipped town again. Because there's nothing Team Salvatore does better than faking <laughs> messages from people <laughs> who they've killed. Because <laughs> they keep killing all the flaky characters. The characters who disappear anyway. That's true. For her part, later on when Tyler is like, Hey mom, have you heard from Uncle Mason? Carol is like, uh, no, and I don't think we're going to if I'm being honest, Tyler. Like, you're, this is... This is who your uncle is. He comes, he goes, mostly goes. And it's sad because you can see that Tyler is like, oh, damn, like I've lost another father figure. Like I was just... Exactly.
2: You'd become attached to him a little bit. Even if not like exactly a father figure, just an older masculine presence. He was very much like an older brother is what I was kind of getting from their vibe. Maybe that's just because they look very similar in age. I don't know. It was
1: sweet that despite the fact that Mason was there for his own reasons mostly involving loyalty to Catherine, of all people, <laughs> that he was trying to help his nephew mourn his father. And I think on the topic of Tyler's mourning, I think it's this, this very interesting and sad sort of situation with someone who has lost a parent or a loved one, in the broader sense, who was also an abuser. At a, at a certain point, Tyler breaks down and says that he hated his father. And it's like, yeah, you hated him, but you're crying and sobbing over his pictures. And it's like, obviously, a part of you though angry at what this relationship was, is still mourning what it could have been and how important this father figure was. And it's like, oh, shame. And now now Mason is gone and the void probably feels... Even bigger.
2: He's not in a good place yet at this point in the show. It's a rough time. Which explains how he ends up in the very next situation.
1: Tyler's mother has a a nice conversation with him though. And she also speaks about how as much of a dick as Dick Lockwood was, (laughs) she did love him. And she knows that Tyler loved him. And she tells him that it's natural to feel abandoned, but she doesn't want him to feel alone. Which is... Sort of Tyler's through line this season. He's very much not... Even, even though it's, it's the season that deals with werewolves and the Sun and Moon curse and the Moonstone. He's not in the story. Yeah, he's often, like, in the background. <laughs> hmm even in the, the episode where Catherine is defeated for the time being, it's a very important episode. In the main cast, Jeremy, Elena, Caroline, Bonnie, and the Salvatore brothers are all dealing with how are we going to take Catherine Pierce down? She's dangerous. She's 500 years strong. She wants the Moonstone. She's prepared to kill all the extras until she gets it. <laughs> <laughs> and she does. She kills Amy. And she
2: kills Amy. <laughs>
1: Amy walks by and she's like, hi Elena. And Catherine's like, hi, dead. Like, snaps her spine, <laughs> then snaps Snapped her neck. Spine. <coughs> Poor Amy. She deserved better. And then later on, her bestie, Sarah, is with Matt and Tyler. Matt, who is under Catherine's compulsion. He's sleeper cell agent waking up. <laughs> <laughs> matt who is being uncharacteristically douchey it's like yeah we're in the we're in your dad's study we're, we're drinking instead of partying outside with everyone else and then he starts like mocking tyler's relationship with his father and how how he was abusive and tyler's like whoa dude why are you acting like this matt continues to grow more aggressive and then tyler of all people tyler's like okay calm down matt like I, like what's, what's the matter matt slaps tyler and then tyler's like yeah. dude, what? Yeah. And hey, to to his credit, Tyler, probably now because he's like, I don't want to trigger that curse, right. doesn't immediately beat the daylights out of him again. He tries to stay the situation, control. But, but Matt is under compulsion and tackles Tyler to the floor. It's now the second time this season that a compelled person has attacked <laughs> Tyler, despite him trying to walk away. Tyler's like, Honestly, I try to like, be the bigger man this season, blamed. and immediately everyone is coming for me. <laughs>
2: Just when I'm trying to clean my act up,
1: everyone's (laughs) my op all of a sudden. So Matt attacks him, and the two start to, you know, scuffle on the floor. And from elsewhere in the house, Caroline vampires uh, the commotion, and she comes in to help. She tries to stop the fight, but Matt refuses to back down, so she has to elbow him in the face with super strength and knock him out. Yeah. An action that Tyler clocks. Tyler's like, how did this skinny cheerleader knock out the quarterback something's wrong in the fabric of the social (laughs) hierarchy
2: here and i am very well attuned to how things work
1: but before he can question it sarah the second sleeper agent is like yeah the one we did that (laughs) failed so she grabs a letter opener and attacks tyler who then instinctively shoves her off and she knocks her head into the table and dies instantly. Dies it's like, immediately. What are your skulls made of in this show? <laughs>
2: Paper and spit and hope. <laughs> These skulls <laughs> are not built properly in Mystic Falls.
1: She might have hit a sharp corner. I think she hit a surface and then fell to the ground. She hit the, the desk in Richard Lockwood's study. I mean, far be it for me to presume to know how hard rich people's wood is. You know, they've got that old timey mahogany but uh, Tyler tries to revive Sarah, but it's it's too late. Caroline watches Tyler, like, yell out in pain and, like, discomfort as his sclera turn black and his irises flare that lupine golden yellow and his werewolf curse is finally triggered. Later on, Caroline tells Carol Lockwood, oh, Sarah was dancing drunk and she slipped and fell and died <laughs> and it was just oh an accident. God. And she removes Matt from the vicinity. I think he's still unconscious at that point. Tyler's like... Why are you covering for me, Caroline? Like, why didn't you just tell my mother the truth? And Caroline's like, No, no, it was, it was an accident. You didn't mean to kill her. Like, there's no need to get you in trouble. And then Tyler's like, No, 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 you stupid, dumb blonde chili that you don't understand me. <laughs> he doesn't say all that. Hello. What's happening? Why am I on the Tyler defense team? What? No, I'm kidding. Tyler is basically like, "No, girl, you don't get it. Like, this is this is serious." And Caroline's like, "No, no, I I get, I it. get it. Believe <laughs> me, I I know." And Tyler's like, "No, you don't." And then Caroline is like, "Hey, that that spot where Sarah stabbed you just now is is it healed?" And Tyler looks down and sees that it is healed, and he's like, "Oh, his lycanthropic powers have been activated." And he realizes that Caroline knows about him At least sometime later I don't know if it's, it's immediately afterwards But Caroline and Damon are discussing Tyler's newfound werewolf status And while Caroline pities Tyler mm-hmm. For obvious reasons I think she can sympathize with someone Who's suddenly being turned into a supernatural creature Against his will Damon is like no 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 no. You need to stay the hell away from him Him finding out about us is dangerous for all of us Damon is his usual forceful violence album. Because like, Tyler Damon- would
2: want us dead for whatever reason <laughs> reason
1: like he's like werewolves are a danger to us all it's not even safe for you to be in the same room with tyler lockwood and i'm like damon didn't you spend the better part of a week bullying mason lockwood when you didn't even know werewolves existed a week before that I don't think you have a platform But Caroline heeds this warning She's like yeah I guess the whole lethal werewolf bite thing is a good point It's a problem She decides she's gonna feign ignorance now about everything But it's kind of too (laughs) late since she made it obvious to Tyler already that she knows something (laughs) is up (laughs) It's so funny to watch her try to gaslight him And Tyler's like girl I'm not stupid you already said what you said (laughs) Like Tyler is noticing that he's got like increased strength. Now he accidentally snaps his locker door, like clean off as he's trying to turn the combination dial. Um, Later on when he gets angry, he kicks a trash can and it flies like several feet in the air before landing on (laughs) someone's car. And he tries to talk to Caroline about it, but she keeps blowing him off.
2: She's just like, ah, everything's fine. I was just had an adrenaline rush and I, <laughs> but that's how I was able to stop
1: Matt. It's cool. You're just in shock and you need to calm down and stop saying crazy things. Tyler." Like. And then days later days. on, he, he confronts her a second time in the school parking lot. And he insists that she's lying to him and demands that she answers his questions. She tries to blow him off again. And then he becomes forceful, you know. As you do when you're a Lockwood. I will say, in
2: this instance, this he was testing the
1: waters. This wasn't
2: one of those situations where it was like, ah, I'm losing control, my anger. He was definitely like, she has to be something also, considering how strong I saw her be. So I don't think this is one of those moments where it's like, Tyler being forceful, I think he was trying to press the issue by
1: being like, let me see how she responds to this. And it works. Probably. We're, we're told that once the werewolf's curse is triggered all that rage and aggression does subside somewhat, which I I had put a pin in the whole nature versus nurture thing and this generational curse of like aggression and whatnot, because it's interesting that the literal curse seems to be pushing potential werewolves to trigger it. You <laughs> were like mm. we're like the, the sentient self-aware curse. The sen- <laughs> <laughs> a orchestrating again. curse that lives in the blood, it wants to be let out. It makes all of these untriggered werewolves prone to violence and anger. A situation which, as we've seen, has led to them accidentally triggering their curses. And the minute they're turned, they're fine.
2: That's actually, yeah, that's fascinating.
1: Because Tyler slowly but surely becomes a much more level-headed person once his werewolf curse is triggered he's panicky and he's grappling with it but he's no longer on this hair trigger temper that he used to be he's
2: having very natural responses to a thing that is happening to him it isn't like unreasonable violence and anger he's very at a normal level
1: as opposed to other werewolf lore where often wolves are just like aggressive by nature or after they have become werewolves like you see it in twilight where The shape-shifting wolves often lose control very easily. They injure their loved ones. We're not going to get into it, but it's... We're not. Even in Buffy, where at a certain point, the werewolf Oz, who's also a short king werewolf like Tyler, but couldn't be more different personality-wise. Yeah, no, Oz is so reserved and
2: chill he's the perfect juxtaposition of the werewolf and man completely different
1: his lycanthropy actually makes him more aggressive and once they're in the post high school years and oz has gone off to try and like cure himself of his werewolf curse or get it under control rather he finds a way to detach himself from the cycles of the moon. But unfortunately, that has the effect of him now turning into wolf form whenever he gets over emotional. So I just thought that Tyler existing in a world where being a werewolf makes you calmer than you were before was <laughs> an, an interesting take on the usual patterns. Yeah, 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 I agree. Tyler gets forceful with Caroline and she easily overpowers him. And he's like, oh, what? You're stronger than me? And she just brushes it aside and sends him <laughs> off. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. <laughs> Runs away. But he's not having it. He goes to her house, breaks in, and this is the sheriff's house, by the way. Breaks into the sheriff's house and is like, "Okay, stop lying to me and blowing me off. You are going to tell me the truth. I saw you with your repeated displays of abnormal strength. You're a werewolf, aren't you?" Exactly. And Carolyn is like, "That's ridiculous. I'm going to laugh in she your laughs. face that you believe that you believe in werewolves."
2: And he's like, why are you laughing at me? (laughs) I don't know what's
1: happening. He gets understandably upset at the gaslighting. But then he becomes violent. He's like wrecking her mom's like little photograph display on the table, urging her to admit that she's a werewolf. So then she gets angry. Because vampires, they do get angry (laughs) after they've heard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And she overpowers him again, slams him against the wall, bears her vampire face. And she's like, I'm not a werewolf. And Tyler's like, oh, okay, that's... Mm, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's on me? <laughs> <laughs> Later on, they have this nice scene where they're discussing the similarities between their new supernatural states. Tyler is like, while his aggression has subsided, he's still very on edge now. Emotionally heightened. In a similar state to Caroline says, oh yeah, when when I became a vampire, everything became heightened. And there's obviously like the the bloodlust. And Tyler's like, well, I don't have that, but my body feels really hot. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, it is. No, um, (laughs) Caroline is like... (laughs) Like, no, I don't get that. That must be a werewolf thing. And Tyler asks, How can you be a vampire though? And she's like, I don't know, how can you be a werewolf? How can you be a werewolf? Like, don't, <laughs> don't come for me. And through lies of omission, Caroline doesn't elaborate on how she became a vampire, but after clarifying that Tyler is the only werewolf in town, She's like, I'm the only vampire here too. I'm the only vampire. I'll tell you the details later. There's like a lot you need to know. There's a secret founders council that our parents are on, and some other info. Yeah. But first, I do have to swear you to secrecy. Like, you can't tell anyone. And Tyler's like, girl, who am I gonna tell? I have no one. (laughs) Oh. I'm all alone. And frankly, with Mason gone, I'm really anxious about what's gonna happen. At the next full
2: moon that scene breaks my heart because it's like all this time that he's been following her and being like tell me the truth admit it to me like trying to press the issue and flailing frankly he is flailing he's lost he's got nobody else to speak to about this and he sees in caroline one other tie to this like supernatural that he's only just stepped into it's like almost she has to be like me because if she isn't i have no one else it's really sad
1: yeah and caroline immediately sees a kindred spirit in tyler she tells him that you know when i was turned into a vampire i was all alone which i'm like that's not entirely true but (laughs) she does specify that it's on the day that she kills somebody because i think
2: she was turned the one day she awoke the next day And that that full day
1: she was by herself and she kills Carter at the end of the day. She tells Tyler that I I killed someone and I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. And it's like, oh, it's sweet that these two people who have been in each other's social circles for so long but really meant very little to each other (laughs) up until now are bonding as their supernatural journeys run parallel. And in the you know, with the the metaphor for growing up. It's like, we know this about Caroline, that as she spends more time as her vampire self, she becomes much better. She becomes more compassionate, more self-confident. Her negative sides subside, which is pretty good for a vampire because you would think with all the heightened emotions... it would would become worse yeah yeah it's it's it was certainly that way for vicky when vicky first turned stefan and damon despite being decades old still struggle with their worst impulses stefan says it once that like caroline's the best of them at vampirism she really She really is the one who has the best handle on it she thrives and it's brilliant and in a similar way as tyler journeys through lycanthropy he moves on from being the jerk jock stereotype to this dude who's just grappling with being a reluctant werewolf. His second stage in his metamorphosis. <laughs> it's it's
2: lovely to see him sort of mellow out firstly a bit. And just really leave behind a lot of that like anger and, and frustration. And the the violence of it. The violence in, in the sense of self. Not in the sense of actual physical violence. Because that still lies in his future. Just because of the world they live in. But like he does become a more
1: settled. A more congenial guy it it runs parallel to this theme of having lost his father and his uncle now also being gone he has to step into that like oh man of the house role which in 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 a more serious way just means he kind of has to grow up now because it's just him and his mom he doesn't have as many parental figures to help him through these things anymore and because he can't turn to his mom with the whole lycanthropy thing he's kind of got to deal with it on his own the immediate next episode after Matt comes to apologize, which I think is so sweet. I'm like, Matt, you have nothing to apologize for. You are truly mind compulsion. <laughs> shame poor maddie but matt comes to apologize and he's like i have no idea why i acted the way i did dude i am really really sorry and tyler who has no idea about the compulsion is like no man it's fine which i'm like i'm glad tyler because you would have had no leg to stand on (laughs) yeah it's like what can you even say considering the stuff
2: you've done this is a very mature response and i'm glad that we're still friends good
1: caroline and matt are still on the outs so he, he, he turns tail as soon as she comes over to talk to Tyler. Tyler discusses what he plans to do when the full moon comes. And Caroline is like, well, I can help with your plan. I'm super good at planning and I'm feeling very helpful. They talk about how Caroline can't be with Matt because she can't be honest with him about her vampirism. And Tyler's like, no, I get that. I get that. You, you would owe the person you're with the truth. And I'm like, what a nice thing of Tyler to say. But I wonder, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if subconsciously or otherwise. Preliminarily, yeah, he was like, hmm,
2: <laughs> "Let's set <hit> the stage." <laughs> <laughs> that he would was be teeing, crazy. Teeing the ball for
1: himself. <laughs>
2: there. But yeah, he's got all this stuff from Mason. He's got like recordings of Mason because Mason would record himself when he was going through his werewolf
1: times. You know where they find that? They find that in the creepy slave cellar because all yeah, those of are the creepy slave cellar. <laughs> Else. <laughs> it's actually Caroline who finds it because Tyler's gone there and he's like, oh, here's all the chains and stuff that i think mason would have used to contain himself and then caroline's like oh look at this it's a it's a journal and the flash drive so they watch some video footage on the flash drive and read through the journal and that's when tyler realizes oh this is not a game yeah there are hours and hours of mason lockwood's excruciating first werewolf transformation he's journaled in his diary about how horrible it was how all his senses were heightened his heart was racing his skin felt like it was on fire and that's all before the transformation began during the transformation your bones will snap and contort and twist as your skeleton changes from a human beings into a wolf's and he is mortified. He we we truly see him lose his cool. He's like teary-eyed. And you know, for for a former jock in front of a girl. <laughs> <laughs> you joke, but like
2: it is really transcendent almost to watch like Tyler in these scenes with Caroline be so vulnerable and so emotional. When it's not something we've seen from him before, just in general. And then, like you say, to have that be in front of Caroline, this girl, this girl who he didn't have a high opinion of not too long ago. And all of a sudden it's like, damn, truly the trauma of like this werewolf curse being triggered and the situation with the supernatural has brought him up. And out of a lot of stupidity that he was holding on, it's just like, yeah, no, I've got bigger things to worry about than my <laughs> image, <laughs> my masculine image.
1: This is crazy stuff going on. It's cracked that shell wide open, and he's like, he tells Caroline in no uncertain terms, "There's no way that I can go through what Mason went through." And it's like, well, Tyler, you don't have You're a gonna choice. Have to. <laughs> it's involuntary. And this was actually, I think, the episode before this was where I started watching Vampire Diaries the first time. Oh, interesting. It's the episode Rose, where Trevor and Rose kidnap Elena. Um, That's the main plot. And the B plot is, you know, Caroline and Tyler coming out to each other. And then that's a a through line that will continue for several seasons, where a lot of the time Caroline and Tyler are dealing with the secondary issue that's happening in the background of whatever elena and her two boyfriends are dealing with (laughs) (laughs) right basically tyler and caroline are just growing closer and spending time together and with the worst timing while they're at caroline's house talking things through and trying to plan for the full moon matt shows up and is like hey caroline I don't know, things are weird between us, but I'm still really feeling you, and why is Tyler in your house? Yeah, (laughs)
2: because I didn't question it when you were at his house, because, you know, I kind of disappeared, but now
1: this is, this is strange, what's going on? It's like, you two are friends... He said one nice thing about you in seventeen
2: years. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I
1: don't. I don't really know. <laughs> it's unfortunately very awkward, but that thread is just left hanging there, and then we go into the night of the full moon. <laughs> yeah poor sweet tyler i felt so bad for him watching this even the first time around he makes one last ditch effort to contact mason like on the day of the full moon like he calls mason but of course there's no answer because mason is dead as disco. head
0: <laughs>
1: and he's like okay guess i gotta go deal with it myself he's got his chains and stuff in his kit bag and he's like hey mom uh I'm gonna be out late tonight don't wait up don't for wait me. up and then jules arrives oh jules oh jules <laughs> a, char- a character who divides my soul because truly there are moments when i hate her and then other moments where i'm like oh shame man no where it's like I- she I was it. right and she was true and you lot screwed her over <laughs> jules shows up and drops a bomb she's like uh hey carol lockwood and tyler lockwood my name's jules i'm mason's friend from florida and i'm looking for him and carol is like oh mason left for florida you missed him by a few days and Jules is like nope mason never made it back to florida i don't know where you're getting your info from but he is missing <laughs> i haven't heard from him and we were
2: like on tap we were connected i would know and they're like listen girly i don't know what to tell you he's a flake that's just how he roll <laughs> like, mm. all right
1: you guys are idiots. I'm gonna go look elsewhere. Somehow Jules is able to sense Tyler's werewolf status. She sniffs it out. I, I don't know. Maybe a triggered werewolf has a scent because she calls someone who will later on learn as Brady, her boyfriend. Played by, my name is Oliver Queen. Yeah, Stephen Amell. (laughs) Stephen Amell. (laughs) (laughs) And this CW debut. Wild to think I had no idea who he was back then. (laughs) I was
2: watching this up because I started in season three. So coming back to season two was after I
1: watched the whole Arrowverse. (laughs) This was crazy. (laughs) She calls him and she's like, "Uh, Mason lied to us. There's another werewolf in town, his nephew Tyler. And it's like, oh, well, the last time you spoke to Mason, Tyler probably wasn't a werewolf. But it's interesting that you're able to tell that he is one. Because the curse, it has a scent. (laughs) She's like, you smell like toxic masculinity and rage issues. You're a well aren't
2: you? You smell like hollow patriarchal ideals.
1: Like <laughs> anthropy? Okay, I see. With no one but Caroline to help him, Tyler goes to prep for his transformation. He uses Mason's journal as this sort of terrifying instruction manual. He learns that Wolvesbane will weaken him enough that he'll be less of a threat during the transformation. He mixes it in water to make like a drink and he downs it. Yeah. Ugh. He says that Mason said it was like drinking battery acid he's like spitting up burning pieces of his own flesh as he tries to keep it down it's rough he says that the the chains and reinforced doors of the cellar will help contain him. But uh, Caroline is like, do we know how strong a werewolf is? And Tyler's like, eh, I don't know. We're just gonna have to hope for the best. I'm working
2: off of secondhand information. <laughs> I there's no experience to base this on.
1: I'm just going here. Caroline's like, alright, I'm with you to the end, buddy. It's cute how bashful she is when Tyler starts to strip down uh to his like stretchy undies. She's like, oh no, you're not gonna get naked and he's like, Well, I don't think it's like the Hulk where I get to keep my pants. Yeah. Stretchy <laughs> material. <laughs>
2: everything about this scene pre him turning is kind of (laughs) cute because he's like you don't have to stay and she's like no of course i'm staying i'm not leaving you alone so it's all that going on and then it's also the added like oh he's getting naked oh my um excuse me
1: (laughs) michael trevino man as someone who entered the show in this stage where stefan was having fewer and fewer shirtless scenes um (laughs) I was watching everybody fight over like Team Stefan, Team Damon, and I was like, but Tyler though, guys, like, like my short we... king. Very <laughs> much the Emmett of that
2: situation. You know. <laughs> Team-, <laughs> Team Edward, Team Jacob. What about Emmett, the
1: enormous guy in the background who looks like he could knock down a tree? Have we discussed this? And he, he really gets to flex those muscles during his choreographed werewolf transformation. Interesting trivia. Michael Trevino had to learn that transformation sequence as a dance. Oh, wow. I mean, it looks very good. So clearly it paid dividends. I always... That
2: transformation sequence is one of the best I've seen beyond like... I like the novelty Of the Van Helsing one Where the wolf Oh where he rips Through his own flesh He rips his skin And the werewolf comes out And then he rips The werewolf skin And the man comes out I I think that's brilliant That one's cool (laughs) Yeah
1: (laughs) I've never seen One like that before Or since
2: But this It's like The Vampire Diaries In general It's most Shining thing In the way Supernatural stuff works It's very visceral Yeah You can feel The pain When he's transforming You can feel that They say it a lot I'm breaking Every bone in my body And as he's shifting around and twisting, you can see that that is genuinely happening. There's obviously a little bit of CG on top of that because his leg is twisting in ways that it shouldn't. But, like, it's real messed up. And it, ha- it doesn't happen all at once is the thing. He shifts for a bit and he- things are twisting and then he stops and he lies down. And we cut away and we cut back and he's just lying there. And then it starts up again. At the very least, the first werewolf transformation you have seems to happen
1: in fits and starts. And I found that fascinating as mm. well. And elsewhere across town, Damon, being Damon, Ugh. is antagonizing a new guest character. <laughs> God damn it! Jules, who, to be fair, Jules did come there already with more antagonistic intentions than Mason, because she was like, "I know Mystic Falls is vampire country, and now my bestie is missing." I'm not a fool. I'm pretty, I pretty sure one, and one together <laughs> Listen. And Alaric and Damon try to like trick her with a wolvesbane drink, I guess, to expose her werewolf nature. At first, I didn't realize that she knew what was up. And I was like, damn, this woman won't take a damn sip from this drink. That's how I knew. I was like, she's taking forever to drink that thing. She can smell it. I see her. They
2: think they're playing her. She's playing this whole situation. Never once does Jules break in the entire time she speaks to these people. Not a hint of fear, not a hint of concern.
1: And I love that. Because I was just like, wow. She's just she's not feeling this drink like she keeps almost taking a sip and then like stopping <laughs> to say something else She's like nursing the drink but not touching it. Damon is not being very subtle He's like oh, finish your drink like just take your drink and I'm like Damon if she didn't think you were a vampire She would definitely think you're trying to roofie her like like why are you
2: You're so fixated on this drink
1: <laughs> They're both overestimating
2: their influence It's like every girl I know Knows to not take a drink from some strange guy at a bar And they know to cover <laughs> it when they're around men Like I don't think you're getting this
1: over the finish line She drops the pretense and she's like Yeah I know you're a vampire And I can smell the in venomous drink And I sniffed you out the moment I stepped into town <laughs> Like Which is also interesting She tells Damon that she smelled him when she walked into the bar And I'm like do vampires have a smell? I think so That's one of the things that's just never expected i think that werewolves
2: can smell vampires and other wolves that's from jules's presence in this like part of the season she very much elucidates a lot about how werewolves work and they seem to it makes sense because wolves they lead with smell rather than like sight or hearing or
1: something like the vampires it seems she can smell the supernatural i would have loved to know exactly what they smell like i'm like do they smell like corpses do they smell like people like what (laughs) because in the in the twilight universe the wolves say that the vampires have this sickly sweet smell that seems to physically burn their noses as they smell it of
2: course they do it's sickly sweet but the werewolves smell like wet dog get me
1: out of here to the vampire we don't have to you see every time i bring up twilight i just (laughs) all i do is upset you (laughs) It's fine it's fine it's a logical
2: comparison to
1: make it just
2: reminds me that wow all the werewolf stuff was just racism wasn't it (laughs)
1: Uh, jules tells damon that picking a fight with her on the night of the full moon is stupid and damon's like i'm not afraid of anything and then jules says well watch your back you've been marked you've and it's like ah. the same <laughs> thing that richard lockwood who knew nothing about lycanthropy said to alaric when alaric angered him and it's like so it's like a werewolf cultural thing <laughs> so two options are in my head
2: one is that they didn't always intend for Richard Lockwood to not know about his lycanthropy. Mm and that was in the story bible in terms of like because shows like this when you have a show at least you know before now everything's eight episodes and like three years apart (laughs) when you do a network tv show like a 22 episode tv show you have a show bible where all the stuff about like how the world works each character and their backstory and their history whatever it's all in the show bible so that every time we cycle writers you can reference the show bible so you're not just going off of like the memory of the show itself you have context that was created before you were brought On to write for the show. So it's possible, in like the werewolf language they were planning to use when they brought up a werewolf story, the idea of a werewolf marking somebody was already created way at the beginning. And then, as the first season was being written, they were like, hmm, maybe it's more interesting to have Richard Lockwood be completely oblivious. He dies and his son becomes a werewolf and has nobody to teach him, at least until we bring in Mason. And then that's how it happened. And now the scene about you've been marked has already been shot, and now it doesn't make sense in context. Or. It's just something he heard someone in his family growing up say as like, you know, a powerful Lockwood figure who was a werewolf and in the know tell somebody they've been mocked. And that's like the way to posture or to make someone feel fear. Or maybe he just understood it as an expression of like, watch your back. Now that you've crossed me, I'm going to make your life a living hell, right? He maybe didn't have the context for the werewolf culture, as you say, of you've been marked, but he just heard someone say it in the context of everyday conversation. Because there must have been Lockwoods who knew about their lycanthropy if mason well mason found out everything from catherine but i i can't imagine that they've just been like five generations six generations of lockwoods who all just didn't know and never found out Most powerful family in town and none of them killed somebody absolutely not not. i don't believe it i don't believe richard lockwood hasn't killed somebody but that's the story says so and so hey (laughs) hey hey. he's rich he has people for that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he has people to clean it up. <laughs> anyway,
1: those are the two like options in my head about this you've been marked thing. It makes sense. And the literal marking, I assume, is just Jules remembering Damon's scent. Mm. Because she follows him home and attacks him, but ends up biting Rose, which seals her fate. Steve and Damon episode for more details on that. But that's probably one of the reasons why Jules will be remembered as like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You were a problem. You killed Rose, who... You killed Rose! Never heard a fly. Ah, <laughs> oh, I doubt that's true. She was 500.
2: But also, I put that on Damon. It's like a little bit of... Jules just a bit her, but, like, Damon's the one who caused the problem and led Jules there. But, you know, that's just me, and that's fine. If
1: we trace every problem back to Damon, then basically no one in this town has ever committed a crime except Catherine Pierce.
2: And I'm okay with that sentiment, <laughs> No, 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 I'm joking.
1: Meanwhile, Tyler goes through his horrific transformation. It lasts hours. Mason's Journal also says that the time the transformation takes will shorten each month. Uh, So this will be the worst and first one. So Caroline's optimistic. She's like, it'll get better. And Tyler's like, girl. (laughs) (laughs) This was awful. My skeletal structure being torn asunder. It's really sweet though That Caroline stays with Tyler For most of the night Trying to comfort and reassure him The only moment she
2: leaves Is when her life is literally in danger Because he breaks free of his chains Once he's closer to the wolf side And she runs outside Closes the doors And puts something through And she stands there Holding the doors And she's talking him through it The whole time He's biting through the door His little snouts coming through (laughs) And she's like Tyler you can get through this I promise And he's like That damn
1: door <laughs> that damn door that was. Supposed he he to repeatedly be. begs her to leave, but she like she delays her departure for so long. and when when he does finally shift into an actual wolf, he breaks those bindings instantly. <laughs> and I'm like, well. And at that last moment She really quietly cries I'm
2: sorry And then she runs away Yeah And it's a good thing she did Because he immediately Bursts through that door And that little dog's like Speeding out like lightning That
1: dog is so hilarious The super it's... fast werewolf One of the funniest <laughs> things so I've so seen weird. in that show
2: It's so weird
1: And I'm like Yeah the werewolves Would have to have This level of speed To be able to keep up With the vampires But it is hilarious To see The image of a Four-legged creature Running really
2: fast <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, t- t- Maybe t- it wouldn't t- have looked so camp If the werewolves were like unnaturally large <laughs> Right, 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 right Because it doesn't look strange in Twilight
2: Not to take us back there Like <laughs> the wolves there are really fast Because they can keep up with vampires There's only one that ever eludes them But because they're so big And they're covering so much distance In a single jump It doesn't look unnatural that they're keeping up With like a supernaturally fast creature Yeah So I, yeah, I agree I do think scale is the issue there Tyler just like
1: off into the night like a shadow (laughs) eventually he turns back caroline comes and finds him curled up in a ball sweating but human and okay and she comforts him and congratulates him on not like going out and hurting anybody and she's like oh you're gonna be okay and tyler is so deeply traumatized he just sobs that no i am not okay
2: (laughs) that scene makes me sick. So sad. I told you recently I rewatched it for other stuff and I was just scrubbing through and I found it. I was like, oh god, this is so sad. She's like covering him up with a blanket and she has him cradled in her arms and she's like like cooing him through it. And he's like, no,
1: I'm very much not okay. Just like full tears oh it's rough but he's on the other end of it it's so nice that she insists on being there for him and even even just that physical affection of just someone holding you and yes. telling you that you're gonna be okay can help so much and it's probably something she really needed when she woke up and the sun was burning her and yeah her veins were screaming for blood and she accidentally killed someone and then Damon was like let's just kill you <laughs>
2: Instead of compassion, Damon came at her with a stake, And only, only when Stefan in that bathroom is like You're gonna be okay, I will get you through this And he's holding her by the face It's like, yes, we're social creatures We need contact to remind ourselves That we're
1: connected That we can come down from any emotional high Like,
2: that's how it works
1: While Tyler is very appreciative of Caroline's help uh, The next day he's thanking her She does then reveal that <laughs> Oh yeah, by the way If you were to bite me in a werewolf form, I would die. And Tyler's like, wait, what?! So you risked your life to help me, the whole like time? why? And she's like, "It's not a big deal. Let's it's, it's not, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill." <laughs> I do love the contrast of the two of
2: them. Him being so baffled that someone would do that, and her being like, "This is the least I could do as your friend." Because that's the thing she says, "You're my friend. I'll do anything for my friends." They're coming at it from such opposite sides of like social interaction. Of why would you ever do something like this for me? Why wouldn't I do something like this for anyone? And they're coming to meet each other in the middle it's
0: really cute i love it
2: and then matt shows up <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then Man, matt I'm shows so sorry.
0: up
1: hey i've have having watched the first season and the beginning of season two properly i can appreciate mateline as i call them <laughs> <laughs> that's um, disgusting <laughs> they have an official name i just can't remember what it is what is it cath cat it it's Kat- not cat Kat- but- I think it's, I think it's Mariline. Mariline's a lot bad. better
2: than Madeline. <laughs> I'm i so sorry to you.
1: <laughs> I like Madeline because it sounds like Madeline.
2: I did like Madeline. Nobody knows that movie when I reference it. In two straight lines, they walk to school or however that song went. I can't remember.
1: <laughs> is that not the Madeline you were talking about? Are you talking about the freak? Yeah, I, I, used, I used to watch. I had a coloring in book with her and her classmates uh, in it. And that, that nun. The little hats. <laughs> You're cute. But yeah, Matt shows up and he's like, "I can see you two <laughs> sneaking around, spending <laughs> time together alone." <laughs> and Caroline, you out here telling me that you still care about me, no. but like, like what's what's going on here? And Caroline's like, Nothing's "Matthew, Matthew Donovan Maxwell, I swear Matthew to you, Broderick Donovan <laughs> Maxwell." <laughs> I assure you. Nothing is going on between me and Tyler. And Matt believes her, to his credit. He's not one to immediately become the jealous boyfriend. And it's not an insane thing to ask. They are spending a suspicious amount of time (laughs) together all of a sudden. It all makes sense. Caroline assuages his fears for the time being. and, And he kisses her, which is not what she was expecting in that moment. She responds for a second, but then she's like, ah! don't want to stop things up again i'm still a vampire i could hurt you i don't know about this meanwhile rose is dying and (laughs) Damon decides that i'm gonna go and threaten jules (laughs) because that'll help because that works so well (laughs) the last time i'm gonna go threaten jules and tell her to give me the cure and jules is like the cure is euthanasia good luck (laughs) kill her
2: quick spare her the pain goodbye jules you icon
1: (laughs) jules who at the beginning of that episode wakes up from her own night as a werewolf and has just butchered this innocent group of campers
2: it is they talk about it in a later season but yes she's one of those wolves who prefer to go free range rather than chain themselves up for the night which is wild no pun intended she tears
1: them apart and you could be like oh shame she lost control she was in wolf form she didn't really know what she was doing and then like a park ranger shows up and he's like what happened here and she's like oh no my friends who i was definitely camping with and definitely know well we were attacked last night by an animal a wolf it tore them apart and i was like girl you should have said a bear i don't think one wolf would have done all this (laughs) And I don't know whether werewolves in this universe ever actually eat anyone, or whether they just, you know, go at it like a dog with a rag doll. Because it didn't seem like any body parts yeah, were that's... missing. There's never any clarity on whether They like eat
2: people like vampires Do because not to bring it Back to Twilight. <laughs> Twilight Very specifically Is like yeah no the wolves don't eat People this is like a form that They take but they are very much Still like sapient beings They're not animals that are about to Consume you so it is interesting that we Never get into
1: it yeah whereas the real Werewolves in the background in the books That we don't really see much of oh yeah Who actually do turn into like a humanoid like canthrope form, they are said to eat people. And it's like, oh, oh. Stephanie always dropping Stephanie. tidbits of interesting stuff that she has no intention to explore. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, what are you up to? <laughs> I guess now that
2: I'm thinking about it with the origin of um werewolves in this world it is similar it's not like you're turning well you would be led to believe from this early stuff in vampire diaries that you're turning into this monster but like it used to be this spirit form thing where you transform and become this wolf for one night and it's this like auspicious thing amongst these origin clans of lycanthropy but like now it's treated more of like a curse you know
1: well i guess with inadu yeah in the originals we we do get some context as to what exactly was going on at the start of werewolf curse she was she was messing them around a bit (laughs) she was like i'll show you my sentient curse that desperately wants to activate itself
2: (laughs) it's actually a piece of inadu in all of them it's the hollow in their veins
1: (laughs) but anyway uh later on tyler goes to caroline's house to speak to her and he's like i really can't understand for the life of me why you would risk death to help me
0: just don't and get Caroline it. is just
1: like, dude, I've known you my whole life. Why are you being weird? And Tyler's like, yeah, but we were never friends before. Now you're like prepared to die just to help me. Then Caroline gets annoyed and she's like, you know what? You sound pretty ungrateful now. I just <laughs> yeah, wanted to help. I did this real nice thing for you. I don't know what your issue is that you are so uncomfortable with people caring about you. And I'm like, shame. Caroline, if you only knew, Tyler probably would have issues with people caring about him. <laughs> He's not familiar <laughs> with that. He was a
2: douche who isolated himself when things weren't bad. He's not used to this.
1: She storms off, sarcastically apologizing, and just like, Oh, I'm sorry that I cared. Yeah, I'll never do it again. And then Tyler kisses her, and it's like, <laughs> Ah, there it is. <laughs> 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 the birth of Tyreli.
2: <laughs> it is one of those those romantic scenes where it's like, oh, they're fighting about something that's not what
1: they're fighting about. It's very obvious what's happening. And then it hits all at once and it's like, oh, I see. And you know what? Now, having, having full context, unlike when I first watched the series, I really like the slow burn of... Getting to this moment. It's like this friendship between two people who, you know, never really had common ground despite all the things they did have in common at surface level. And then, you know, slowly the supernatural brings them together. Their stories were sort of running parallel and then they meet. And then Caroline is helping Tyler in all the ways that she knows someone needs. And Tyler is like, wow, I I used to think you were just a pretty face and an empty head, but you're actually. You're actually really sweet and compassionate and even more helpful than I was giving you credit for when I, when I began to mature a bit. And then he falls for her. Unfortunately, <laughs> he falls for her at a time when Caroline is starting to consider that maybe she can patch things up with Matt. His best friend. She's not officially dating Matt at this point. No, but she is not. She's definitely a bit confused by this. The vibes
2: are not final enough for
1: this to not be weird. Caroline is now confused and she's like, everybody needs to just stop kissing me. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a cute line. (laughs) And I'm like, Caroline, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I know who I'd pick. No shame. Matt is a sweetie.
2: Matt is sweet. Matt is a sweetie.
1: (laughs) And he's so lovely, but I'm just like... Tyler can understand you on this level that Matt can't understand. It is the thing. The minute they were both turned into vampire and werewolf like around the
2: same time, it was sealed. Yeah. Like already they share something that Matt has no idea about until actually around this time. And also I just think they have a lot more chemistry. Yeah. I think Matt and Caroline are very sweet, but Tyler and Caroline have just like chemistry on another level. They feel a lot more charged, I guess.
1: Yes yes i don't know it just works a lot better and i don't know if i've said this before i've thought it have you heard of the when dealing with love triangles the betty and veronica concept
2: oh i can kind of maybe see where it's going just based on my knowledge of that the
1: original love triangle to set off all love (laughs) triangles (laughs) but do explain please yeah so the the betty and veronica concept uh which despite the name is not gendered it's basically when you have On the one hand, the safer, more familiar, usually first to the party, love interest. Yeah. It could be like the boy next door, the girl that you grew up with who was your best friend, that sort of a thing. And then on the other hand, you have the more dangerous, usually passionate, sometimes annoyingly exoticized option. And Vampire Diaries is full of them. You can make a interesting little diagram of all the different ones. Obviously, with with Elena, Stefan is the Betty, Damon is the Veronica. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. With Caroline, Matt is the Betty, and Tyler the Veronica. I did not know it had a name. This is a trope. I it's possibly because I've said to you before. I do not like love triangles this is probably the reason why I've definitely ranted at length about this before to people I know and also on TikTok.
1: The sequel, second yes. love interest.
2: I, spoke, <laughs> I think actually we spoke about this in the Bonnie episode. I was talking about like love triangles and the secondary love interest, whatever. Actually, no, that one is a, is an interesting inversion of that. But usually in this sort of love triangle, it's actually, this is a um an outlier that I prefer the Veronica to the Betty. And I think it's because matt isn't character assassinated in order for this to set off and also it's like there's no pretense about tyler in terms of like what kind of guy he is there's just a lot of growth and rehabilitation in terms of tyler more often than not the veronica of the situation and Veronica doesn't need to catch strays for this. Veronica doesn't do anything as bad as like the characters in these love triangles sometimes, especially when the love interests are men you get like, there'll be the quote morally gray love interest, but it's like, Oh, they've murdered like a bunch of people and they have (laughs) definitely put you in danger before. And they have done something to a friend of yours. It's all that. And then it'll be like the first love interest who shows up, at the beginning if it's in a trilogy of YA novels they're the love interest for the first book and the other one is like a minor antagonist but then later you find out oh, he wasn't an antagonist after all he was actually really good and only pretending to be bad and then the main love interest gets a huge character assassination of book two suddenly they're the worst person you've ever heard of a scene suddenly they're this abject asshole that's just <laughs> completely <laughs> contrary to who you were introduced to and it happens so many times times i mentioned why novels because that's where i kept seeing it that it started to piss me off all this to say this is an outlier for me going for the veronica versus the betty and i think it's because Even though around this time, this is when Matt goes to Liz Forbes because I don't know who forgets to wipe Matt's memory or maybe it's because he's on Vervain. He sees something vampiric happening and Liz Forbes now starts using him as a spy to figure out what's going on with Caroline because Caroline's a vampire. Matt is finding out about vampires and he's being told vampires have killed a lot of people, including his sister. So it's like... That's not an unreasonable reaction. He's not the bad guy in that. So I'm okay with this because Caroline and Tyler just frankly are the better romantic couple. And Matt is not... Like persona non grata at the other side of this. He's still someone who we like and have in our friendship group and so forth.
1: I think many of the Betty and Veronica dynamics that I can think of, neither character is really assassinated. It's just, it's, it's more that the draw for each is very different. So Tyler's the Veronica who I was rooting for. Loved Matt, loved everything regarding Matt and Caroline. But I think as Caroline went on in her vampire journey, she had grown him. Yeah, she had outgrown him. Tyler being the werewolf just made more sense. It's that thing of when it's nice to date someone who understands your culture. Yeah. Even if they're not exactly from your culture, even if it's just like an approximation, like it's it's better than someone who just doesn't get it. <laughs> and that's not to say that's the truth across the board, but like,
2: yeah, there are absolutely simplicities and benefits to that.
1: The little sprout of line has blossomed at this point. And then it's almost immediately stepped on because, <laughs> because then Jules shows up and she's like, Hey Tyler, I'm just gonna rip the bandit off. Your Uncle Mason is dead and your little friend Caroline there. Yeah, she she and her vampire friends killed him. And Tyler's like, What vampire friends? Caroline said she's the only vampire in town. And then Jules <laughs> is like, That's my sweet summer child. This is Vampire Palooza. (laughs) This town is crawling with
2: them. And this is what they do. They lie and they kill your uncle and they A, B, and C. And it's like... At this point, he's kind of primed for that, I guess. It doesn't help that, like, I mean, Caroline had to lie. There was no way around that for the safety of her friends. But, like, the lie is only a layer on top of the fact that, like I said earlier, Tyler doesn't have anyone to talk to about this. And now Jules has showed up. She's another werewolf. And she's like, oh, you're not alone. There's others like us. I have a whole freaking pack that just, like, stacks it up. And even though him and Caroline are going well, in general, he's still a little bit, like, wayward. So he was very easily plucked up by this werewolf pack, despite
1: all rationality and reason suggesting maybe, maybe these guys aren't the best. Jules uh, takes Tyler to her pack, begins to poison him against Caroline. Tyler does go to Caroline the next day and he's like, Mason's dead. I know you've been lying about the fact that there are other vampires in this town. But I'm just clarifying, did you know Mason was dead? Did you lie to me by omission when I told you my uncle had left? And then Caroline's like, yes, but... It's more complicated (laughs) than that. He's like, no, that's all I needed to hear. He's like, I'm not having it. Goodbye. You are dead to me now. I've got new friends to hang with. (laughs) I got my new bros, my werewolf bros. (laughs) And Jules, who's like the only woman in the pack,
2: is <laughs> <laughs> the one girl. Rule. Can I just
1: say, you know how it works? She's the, it's it's the one girl rule. Ben, props to her because she's the one that lives the longest. Yeah, so and she's running there. the show.
2: Frankly, <laughs> other than Stephen Amell, who gets a little bit rowdy sometimes, she's the one who's like running shit. So they're like orchestrating like a a takedown of the
1: vampires in town, right? They're like gonna take revenge. Yeah, as well as. Figure out what happened to this moonstone That the Salvatore brothers now have They don't tell Tyler about the moonstone yet though They do withhold information from Tyler It becomes a pattern of theirs Which comes back to bite them But the first thing they do is Kidnap Caroline Yeah Meanwhile, Stefan Stefan gives middle sibling energy Not just little brother He's always trying to like solve the problems And like put out the fires And he's like, okay I've got to make peace with these people I've got to make uh, sure yeah. these people are okay <laughs> It's so exhausted. <laughs> I commiserate Poor with Stephen's Stephen so hard. He goes to Tyler and he's like, "Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna be real with you. Yes, Damon did kill Mason, but Mason was also kind of being violent to us. He leaves out the part where that that fight started because of Damon, but he's like basically we we all just want to live in peace you know all all our supernatural creatures in this town also this is caroline forbes we're talking about think for two seconds
2: you're gonna trust your new friends over this girl you've known your whole life who has done everything to protect you when some of us were like maybe we should just kill him and get rid of him and problem solve (laughs) she fought To protect you She walked you through Your werewolf Full moon experience And now you're gonna Turn on her Come on buddy She deserves better
1: than that Tyler is still A little skeptical Yeah But then Jules and Brady Call Stefan And they're like Hey Bring Tyler to us Who you've definitely Kidnapped in order to harm We've got your little Vampire girlfriend here Ah, And poor Caroline. Shame. She really goes through yeah, that episode. Yeah, they're
2: torturing her.
1: Stefan and Damon show up with Tyler at the little werewolf camp. They're like, here he is. Let's do a hostage exchange. And then the werewolves like attack them. And even though it's not the full moon, they're winning, <laughs> they're winning. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're outnumbered, push-overs. unfortunately. Tyler's yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler's not part of the fight. He goes into the camper van and sees Caroline locked in her cage. And she she doesn't even doubt for a second where his loyalties lie. She's like, oh, Tyler, thank goodness you're here. Let me out. The, the, the latch is right there. I I can't reach And Tyler hesitates for a second And she's like What what are you you doing? Let me out And he's like Yeah okay Let's her out And then As soon as she exits the van Jules grabs her And like Threatens to shoot her Through the back And into the heart With a wooden bullet The other werewolves Are getting ready To kill Stefan and Damon And Tyler's just like Frozen being like I don't know Whose side I'm on I don't know I don't I don't really know Any of you (laughs) I truly don't know
2: Anyone here Except Caroline, which he doesn't seem to accept. Caroline, hard enough.
1: but then Jonas, Jonas Martin, yeah, he shows yeah, up. Yeah, Jonas Martin shows up and saves the day, and the vampires get away. Later that night, Tyler goes to Caroline's house oh. and is like, uh, "Hey, care, things got a little out of hand. I'm sorry," and she's like. Dude, like what out what? of hand? <laughs> <laughs> they tortured me. He's like, "Hey, hey, 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 hey. You lied to me, okay? You did lie." That is something that happened. And Caroline's like, "Yeah, but I lied to protect my friends and to protect you." And then Tyler's like, "Look, look, I am genuinely sorry." And she's like, "Nope, it is too late for that because you literally stood there and did nothing when they were about to kill us. I was your friend and I tried to help you oh. and you were going to let these people you just met execute me." Yeah she's like what happened tonight will never happen again you take that back to your little werewolf pack and you get the hell out of my house
2: oh it's so good oh i love caroline
1: that drives him even further into the embrace of brady and jules and they then start talking about the moonstone they're like mason was here looking for something called the moonstone and tyler's like yeah 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 I, i know that thing i had it for a while and then they reveal that there's this curse that if we lift before the vampires can lift their half of it, we will be free to transform whenever we want. If we can control the transformation, that means we don't have to transform at all if we don't want to. Then they split off into, into two parties. Jules takes, I think one of them is named Stevie and the rest of them don't have names. Yeah, he's that little <laughs>
2: mousy one with the hat who thinks he's hot shit. Yeah, I him.
1: <laughs> They go off to try and get the moonstone from the Salvatore house where Alaric and Damon are. And then Brady and Tyler go off to get Elena because at this point, I think Tyler reveals that he knows who Elena is because I think the werewolves know what Catherine looks like. And then they're like, so Tyler, the doppelganger is the key to breaking the curse. Don't ask us how, but she's the key (laughs) to breaking the curse. Brady and Tyler go off to the little Gilbert log cabin cabin. Mm -hmm. where Elena and Stefan are and a fight ensues Brady chases Elena around the house while Tyler has Stefan, like, injured on the floor. Stefan is like, Tyler, listen to me. I know you might think that vampires want to, like, beat you to breaking this curse, but the truth is, me, Damon, Caroline, we have no interest in breaking this curse. And Tyler's like, you're lying, how stupid do you think I am? And Stefan's like, no, 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 no. I'm telling the truth. Breaking the curse means that Elena will die. And Tyler's like, what? And he's like, oh, oh, they 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 didn't tell you that. Your new friends who new would friends never lie to you didn't tell you that Elena that needs to die. Info <laughs> So then Tyler shifts loyalties again and he helps Stefan up, gets the wooden buckshot out of his heart, and Stefan kills Brady. Meanwhile, Elijah shows up and kills all the werewolves who with aren't jewels in <laughs> Damon's house. With ease, I love that scene. He murders Stevie with like a punch so hard that it breaks his neck. <laughs> God, They were getting so cocky in that arc. I don't know. I was upset because I
2: was like, I want to like the werewolves because typically in any sort of vampire werewolf, Damasha, I'm all
1: about the wolves. But these wolves were pissing me off. I was like, Elijah, clear the board. And you know why Jules survives? Because unlike the boys, she runs away. She's like, I'm not about to fight this vampire who showed up and seems very strong. I doubt she knows this who he is. This the thing. But-
2: she's <laughs> the subversion of the wolf allegory because she's a woman. She's not bogged down by all this posturing bullshit. She's like, I know
1: when I'm outclassed. I'm leaving. I want to live. After Tyler helps Stefan save Elena, he apologizes to her. He's like, I'm so sorry. And he hugs her. And that's sweet. I think it's the last time Tyler and Elena ever speak. Ever in (laughs) the show. Yeah. Until her sleeping curse. I don't think they speak again, if I'm being honest. (laughs) It's so interesting because Tyler is one of those peripheral main characters. There will be long stretches of time where he just doesn't interact with certain people at all. For example... I don't think he says a word to Bonnie until season three.
2: No. <laughs> like, no. Until that shit's going down with Klaus, which we'll get to. I don't think they've ever spoken. <laughs> they don't speak. He was saying, Tyler says to the werewolves, yeah, Elena, I've known her my whole life. And I'm like, are you sure about that? <laughs> Tell me one thing about Elena.
1: Tyler offers Bonnie that strong drink in season one, which she declines. And then they never and that's speak it. again. Until <laughs> Klaus gets the job. <laughs> Similarly... His little rivalry with Jeremy that had settled into like this tentative friendship gets dropped as soon as he starts spending time with Caroline and Jeremy starts falling for Bonnie. There's just not enough time. There's not enough time
2: on screen to keep up any like meaningful relationship because we've got to pass him on to the next one. It's always the romantic relationships too that are taking priority over friendships, which kind of
1: sucks. But it's a CW show, so that's the currency. Yeah, it's a shame. What's also a shame is that Jules's friends are all dead. Yeah. <laughs> abortion, but they had that coming. (laughs) Um, with nothing else to do Tyler decides I'm gonna leave town and you know my newly widowed mother uh (laughs) you can leave her alone she's doing fine clearly it's like what before he does like Matt confronts him and is like dude I know something's going on between you and Caroline like you guys can do whatever I don't care but just don't freaking lie to me about it. And then Tyler's like, look, man, I swear to you, we're not involved. I will be honest. She was helping me with something that I can't get into right now. And I did fall for her. And it's sweet. He says, I don't know how anyone wouldn't because she's amazing. But the truth is, she really loves you. So you be good to her. I'm a head out. <laughs> And he he leaves town with Jules after Jules promises no more lies. And she's going to go teach him about lycanthropy, I Mm -hmm. guess. And tell him about his uncle. Maybe some stuff he didn't know. And then like five episodes later. (laughs) And then like five (laughs) episodes later. (laughs) And then five episodes later, he's lured back into town by Klaus's warlock, Maddox. Who's like, hey, Mrs. Lockwood. Tell your son you had a terrible fall. (laughs) So he comes (laughs) to see you in the hospital. And she's like, I haven't had a terrible fall. And then he flings her down the stairs.
2: (laughs) Maddox,
1: you ate that little bit. That one little bit. (laughs) By this point, everyone's learned that there's no such thing as a sun and moon curse. The real curse is on Klaus. Yeah. And the ingredients go beyond Moonstone and Doppelganger when it comes to breaking it. He also needs to sacrifice a vampire and a werewolf. Caroline sees Tyler at the hospital as he's leaving after visiting his mom. Jules was with him when he when he arrived, but she walks away just as Caroline and Tyler start talking. And she's like, "I'm gonna wait in the car. I'm not here for this teen drama." And then Maddox and Greta show up, incapacitate them, and drag them off to another cellar. Which cellar is this? it's the tomb? They take them to the tomb of the Fell's Church as long as it's not as long as it's not
2: that <laughs> slave seller i don't think i can go back right now
1: i think we've had oh it's coming that. up it's for sure coming up but for now let me breathe as the sacrifice approaches tyler's like oh why Why have we been captured like what's going on and caroline's like oh yeah you you were in like the b plot this season <laughs> and then you left for five episodes you have no catch you what's um and she's like you really shouldn't have come back to town and tyler's like well, yeah, I guess. Which is funny because the conversation they were having right before was that, why did you leave town? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, because I thought you hated me and I had no no one else left. Things were weird with Matt because I was falling for you, but he was in love with you. And I was like, I, I just need to get out of here and go be a werewolf somewhere outside of all the crazy. And then suddenly it's like, well, now we're going to die. So you shouldn't, you should stay away. <laughs> <laughs> you goddamn idiot. Damon comes to save Caroline. He's like... Let me save my, my, my crush's bestie. Um, oh, hi, Tyler. Let's go, Caroline. <laughs> and then Caroline's like, no, we can't leave him here. And he's like, it's he's also part moon. of a sacrifice. He'll, he'll be killed. And then Damon is like, but if I let him go, it's the full moon. Like, he's a liability. And Tyler's like, no, no, it's okay. You can take me to... <laughs> My family cellar, my, my family slave cellar, and you can lock me up there. Matt, who at this point, uh, you mentioned earlier, he knows about vampires now. He shows up, locked and loaded. And it's fortunate that he does, because Maddox has just arrived to be like, Damon, where are you going with Klaus's little ingredients? You can't leave. Doing the aneurysm spell, and then he gets shot by Matt. There you go. So good for Matt. Matt with the <laughs> he, blicky. He'll take Maddox down. Matt, walk him down Donovan. Let's move. And then Tyler starts to turn. Tyler's werewolf fangs are popping out and he nips Damon. Damon is like, okay, Caroline, Matt, run away. I'm gonna run away. Let's try to stay away from these deadly fangs matt and caroline go off and lock themselves in the cellar and they have time to talk about everything that's when he reveals that yeah i've been on vervain for a while i know you're a vampire so does your mom by the way because i i went yeah i don't know if you knew about that i told her everything unlike the rest of you when i found out there were monsters in town i went to a responsible adult i went to law enforcement and i said hey there is a threat in our town and bodies are dropping you need to do something yeah once again relegated to the b-plot that's what caroline and tyler deal with that night tyler's in wolf form and caroline and matt are hiding from him and he busts in and matt is forced to shoot him and wound him so that he and caroline can get away i think they run back to the forbes house and that's where they spend the rest of the night until they hear a noise at the door and then they go and see that tyler is like lying naked on the porch curled up in his usual post werewolf ball and he's human again and they let tyler rest and heal uh and while they're doing that Matt is like, it's really complicated and I don't have time for this because I'm basically an orphan who is putting himself through high school. Yep. So (laughs) peace and love but I don't want to be involved with this or you. Which, fair enough. Caroline is understandably heartbroken because she was still gunning for Matt at this point. And when Tyler wakes up, she tells him everything. Tyler's like, yeah, you're right. Me coming back was a mistake. And she's like, no, no, no. Maybe you should never have left in the first place. By the way, Matt broke up with me. And Tyler is sweet. He's just like, I'm genuinely sorry about that. And then she's like, maybe this time, instead of leaving town, you could just say... Thank you, Caroline, for taking care of me. Which he does. And they end the season as friends. That's the majority of the reluctant werewolf arc. Mm -hmm. Because... Then season three (laughs) rolls into town. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Year of the originals. There is still the whole will they, won't they thing with Tyler and Caroline. Mm -hmm. They're still in that phase of like, there's a flirtationship here, but we're not really doing anything about it. At what point do they actually start dating? At the end of episode one. Okay. I think. She's being jealous that he's talking to other girls. And then he's like... Uh, Dude, remember when I kissed you last year and made it very clear I liked you And then you, like, were in love with Matt And then you broke up with Matt But it's like, I I wasn't gonna assume anything I thought we were just friends So if you don't want me to see other girls, then tell me Just let me know Tell me you want me and I'm yours (laughs) (laughs) Tyler I'm like, look at you, Tyler Uh A far cry from season one (laughs) Very
2: emotionally responsible He's like, here's where I'm at you have all the information
1: balls in your court and caroline goes for it they make out and have a night of flaming passion yeah. <laughs> which will become a pattern for them i will say once tyroline is established they have more frequent sex they're than any couple so in the show horny. <laughs> they're so horny those two it's crazy and <laughs> i love that for them the next morning i don't think they've really established what they want to do yet so caroline is feeling a bit awkward and she decides to sneak away and she runs into mrs lockwood Mm -hmm. at the foot of the stairs and mrs lockwood is like girl i know a walk of shame when i see one i'm familiar caroline's like i'm just gonna go and let me just get my cute little purse which has unfortunately been doused in vervain she touches it and carol's like aha she vervains caroline and she hands her over to her dad who carol uh Calls, not long afterwards. Caroline gets uh, imprisoned and tortured by her dad for like a day. And then Tyler wakes up and is like, hey, Caroline's not here. That's awkward. Are, Are there regrets? What's going on? Okay, well, goes downstairs. His mother has made him some coffee. And she's like, hi, Tyler. Good to see you. Why, why, why are you not drinking your coffee? Drink your coffee. Just drink it while I watch. And Tyler drinks it and is like, Ew, this tastes weird. I think the milk is off. And then Carol is like, Oh, thank God. He's not okay, a vampire too. Good. So, good, good, good. Later that day, Tyler is at the Mystic Grill. Um, because where else would you be? He drinks... Another coffee, and he's like, ew, what is what is with all the coffee today? It tastes so nasty. And then Matt's like, oh, there's Vervain in there. Sheriff Forbes tells me to slip some in every now and then, which I guess means even though he's removed himself from the situation, Matt is he's still helping, helping Sheriff Forbes. Well, yeah. <laughs> he's like, hey, you've got a good cause. I'm busy with school, but if this is a simple thing I can do on my shift, I'll do it. Planting the seeds of Matt's destiny already. <laughs> And then Tyler's like, wait, that's what Vervain tastes like? And Matt's like, it's not really supposed to have a taste, but I guess your werewolf taste buds picked it up when a human wouldn't. And then Tyler's like, wait a second. (laughs) 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 And he goes home and he's like, hey, mom, why'd you give me Vervain this morning? She's like, um, I don't know what you're talking about, Tyler. What's Vervain? (laughs) And then she's like... Okay fine I confess I was testing to see if you'd been turned because you know you've been spending so much time with Caroline. I'm not sure at which point maybe you can remember at which point does Carol even realize that Caroline is a vampire because she must have had suspicions in order to test it. I cannot remember. Would Liz tell anyone? I don't know. I don't think I don't think Liz told anyone because she and Caroline end season two on a good good note. Yeah. Yeah, maybe something happened in episode one. I don't know. Tyler's like, mother, how dare you judge vampires as these evil creatures? Meanwhile, under your own roof, Mm. you got other Halloween monsters running around. And Carol's like, huh, wait, what? And it's like, shame. Carol is still in season one, episode three. She doesn't know what's going (laughs) on. No idea. (laughs) And instead of just telling her, he like, takes her to the slave cellar. Honestly, listen, (laughs) because he does say, come on down
2: to the slave cellar. And for once, I'm happy you took her to the slave cellar. Quickest way to convince somebody of something is to just show them. No footing around, just straight to the core. He goes down, he chains himself up, she's freaking out. He's like, no, don't worry about it. Everything will be clear in a second. Starts shifting into a werewolf. (laughs) Shows her the whole transformation, which assumedly only takes like maybe an hour now because this is like, what, six months down the line? And at the end of it, she's like horrified and he wakes up and he's like, now do you see? And she's like, don't worry, son. I'll take care of everything. (laughs) Which, you know... I love that. But it makes sense because she's like, blue blood mom, we can't have a scandal. My son's a werewolf. (laughs) But I do like that. I like to read that as like, she's also being mama bear a little bit. It's like, nobody's going to get to my son. I don't care if he's supernatural. Nobody's going to touch him. Yeah. I appreciate that. She's
1: like, hey, Bill Forbes, made a whoopsie. Um, Everything's okay. You can let Caroline go. And Bill is like, girl, Mm -hmm. this is so beyond you at this point. No, no. Uh, I'm handling my own child. So then... Tyler then
2: goes to Liz Forbes to say what's happening because again nobody has informed Liz of this and they go to the tomb where Caroline's The been other
1: cellar, this is a different cellar because This is a different cellar? Yes, because when <laughs> yes. Bill is torturing Caroline, he specifically says, "Your ancestors built this place <gasps> to deal with vampires." And it's like, "Oh my lord, how many creepy cellars are in this town?" One per founding family everybody
2: had their own <laughs> cellars.
1: And you'll never see the fells sell up.
2: In fact, we covered it up. We said they're they're not hot shit. Hot cement
1: in that. But yeah, Liz and Tyler save Caroline. It's more of a Liz moment. It's Mm. more of her thing. It's really beautiful where she's showing that I accept my daughter as she is. I'm not about to let my my ex-husband do his weird conversion therapy nonsense on her. <laughs>
0: We're not get into it.
1: He carries her home bridal style. Aww. It's so cute. And after after she's spoken to her mother in the in the dénouement, and she's like, oh no, my, my dad hates me. He he hates who I am. It's 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 so bizarre. Tyler comes to sit with her and she she breaks down crying as he comforts her. He teases her a bit about, oh, you know, this all happened because you you snuck out on me. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler God. she laughs at the joke i love it (laughs) and that's what gets her to open up i love that it's sweet that as as she's crying about her daddy issues she's being comforted by her love interest who understands probably better than most people in this town having a very overbearing father good for you tyler (sighs) oh um i think at this point their relationship is is solidified they're definitely boyfriend and girlfriend by now and then klaus comes back to town yep. <laughs> <laughs>
2: just when you think
1: you're enjoying something klaus shows up to
2: ruin it he shows klaus up, and, shows he's up like, and he's like hey oh. besties <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm on my like, hybrid Like, I'm having trip. a little problem. Mm-hmm. And I realize that the Mystic Falls student body is, like, perfect for solving that problem. We've got a witch. Uh-huh. We've got vampires. We have a werewolf. Perfect. And, and then we've got the doppelganger who's alive. You're supposed to be dead, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm not mad yet. And he's like, so none of my hybrids um are turning the way that I want them to. He force feeds Tyler, his hybrid blood snaps his neck and then says okay tyler's gonna wake up in transition bonnie the witch you have a few hours to figure out how to make sure that i can turn him into a proper hybrid with no failures if you don't well you know i'm klaus you can you can probably imagine what will happen <laughs> <laughs> even in this significant moment tyler isn't really the focus no he's more of a plot device he's the, the focus is stefan who's been compelled to Kill these two random students and hurt Elena. If anything, you know, doesn't go according to plan. Bonnie, who is now scrambling, Matt and Bonnie trying to deal with the whole ghost situation and get info from Vicky on the other side, because Vicky's in communication with the witch. Then Klaus is like, hmm. I think that the only way for them to successfully turn is to complete their transition with the blood of the doppelganger so he force feeds tyler elena's blood after tyler wakes up in transition and tyler becomes the first successful hybrid Mm -hmm. and there's that iconic iconic moment where he's got the veiny vampire face mixed with the glowing werewolf eyes and the fangs bared, and it's like ah that's that's what a hybrid should look like and Thus ends a good chapter for Tyler because, (laughs) oh boy.
2: (laughs) This part is rough, unfortunately. It's not a great time for him. It's a lot of unexpected and unwanted, well, not for him but like unwanted subservience on the part of Tyler
1: unfortunately yes and uh, and a few steps back because while Caroline and to a lesser extent everybody else is like oh Tyler are you are you okay cuz you're undead now and the only other hybrid we know is like our main enemy (laughs) so we don't even know what being a hybrid means like are you you okay and Hella's like i'm good feel great great the future is bright i can't wait for senior year (laughs) i don't have to turn anymore i'm
2: technically (laughs) part vampire but i can walk in the sun with no help i feel the best i've
1: ever felt and then unfortunately the vampirism starts to heighten his more negative qualities and he starts to backslide a bit into douchey territory he's like I'm going to compel people whenever I want for petty things. I'm going to start being all alpha doggish again. Yeah. I'm even going to spend time with Rebecca for some insane reason. Yeah, that <laughs> was... And she brings me innocent people to feed on. <laughs> that <laughs> was
2: like... <laughs> Because it hasn't been touched on yet But I guess through Klaus I guess there's like a little bit of fealty to Rebecca In a strange way I don't know
1: And it becomes more a thing of Caroline being like Tyler, I save us from a place of love You need to watch yourself You're part vampire now And that means all of your aspects are going to be heightened Including the negative ones You're starting to act a bit more like Like Tyler, Tyler. From before the werewolf curse was triggered <laughs> Tyler is receptive He's like, oh no, I don't. I don't ever want to be that guy again no one liked that guy i didn't like that guy he was a jackass he was unworthy of you and he tells caroline that everything i like about myself is you which i'm like well i mean don't say that
2: (laughs) it's not so healthy but it is very
1: yeah i'm like your character growth might have been alongside caroline but it wasn't because of caroline let's not don't be a demon about it (laughs) But then, despite Tyler's uh, best efforts, it becomes clear that the sire bond is a thing. And uh. he now has this weird, instinctive loyalty to Klaus that even defies logic. At first, he just makes some statements that make it clear that he's not in his right mind. Yeah, or it's like, we shouldn't be crossing Klaus. I'd- Why would you want to do that? That's not in Klaus's best interest. It's like... Tyler, what? And they're like, Klaus's best interests. what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And Damon's like, well, he's a lost cause. I mean, I'm not going to kill him, but I'm just saying somebody should. <laughs> oh, God. And then Tyler remembers that Jeremy exists because they <laughs> spend time together. <laughs> Wait, I think the first before, because
2: I know where you're going with this. The first one is that he throws that party for... Klaus, he moves a party they were going to have at the school to his own house to entrap Michael. So already at that point, he's fully subservient to Klaus. Oh, yeah. And then after that is the Jeremy thing, because the Jeremy thing happens like just before Jeremy leaves.
1: Does Tyler do anything significant during that time? No.
2: After After the wake that they throw where he it like jabs caroline with vervain to get her out because klaus has told him to make sure his little friends aren't up to something that's about the worst (laughs) thing that happens (laughs) then we don't know this but klaus has told him to get close to jeremy yes because now with all this original stuff's happening now that stefan has all these coffins klaus is trying to maneuver his way in that's when tyler remembers as you say that jeremy exists and they're becoming friends again it's also at a time where jeremy's being weirdly rebellious and is like kind of
1: being all shitty to elena and rick so that's also what's annoying about the whole situation jeremy's angsty because he cheated on his girlfriend with a ghost and then she (laughs) dumped him and now he doesn't he doesn't (laughs) know what to do with himself anymore the consequences of my known actions i like to imagine like off screen klaus is like hey i need you to get close to jeremy gilbert and steal his vervain bracelet so he can be compelled and tyler's like who (laughs) You're going to have to refresh my memory. I'm
2: not quite sure who you're talking about. Um, oh, Elena's <laughs> weird little brother.
1: Oh, I remember him. <laughs> oh, I forgot. One thing I did want to mention. This was pre-First Successful Hybrid. It is interesting to note, given the ghost arc and the nature of the other side, that Vicky never once appears in front of Tyler, <sighs> nor does Jeremy ever even go ask Tyler yeah. if he's seen Vicky. He immediately goes to Matt, which is the wiser option. Matt is her brother and would be thinking about her and mourning her more. But it's just another sign that Jeremy and Vicky was always more serious than Tyler and Vicky.
2: Or at the very least, there was a better connection. There a more like emotionally healthy connection, so that in death, there are all good vibes that you're pulling towards, you know. But yeah, Tyler and Jeremy start hanging out and Elena is warning Jeremy against it because tyler's very clearly not just one of klaus's hybrids very clearly sired to klaus and not in control of himself as best as they can understand jeremy for whatever reason is unfazed by this. Yeah, he's
1: so not taking it seriously, and invites Tyler into their house. I don't. It's because, get... like you say, he's going through his rebellious era, and he's. They're like, please keep Tyler away. We can't trust him. And Jeremy's like, hey, Tyler, who hasn't been invited in since becoming undead, come inside. This my home is like cool what? man and they're like jeremy seriously what did we just say <laughs>
2: this is i went back to watch that for the jeremy episode to try and understand like is he being compelled in this moment but i don't think he is because one i don't think you can compel someone into inviting you in but then also like the flimsiness of if you can compel someone to be friends with someone and then six points down the dialogue chain he chooses to invite somebody in is that because of the compulsion i don't know but that's what's established also, they make a point to say that he takes his vervain bracelet off. Did Tyler take it off? Why did Jeremy? Jeremy just got a call and walked outside. And Maybe that Tyler was it. vamp
1: snatched it. I don't. I don't know. Also, in terms of the whole, you can't compel someone to invite you in. I I know you can't. You can't compel someone to invite you inside if you have not yet been Can invited. You but to invite what was going on with Miss Gibbons when the tomb vampires were living in Pearl's little dollhouse? Because it seemed like they were controlling who she let in and who she that's true yeah oh that sucks but alaric and Delena, who see tyler as much more of a threat than jeremy does mm. they decide to have like a just a little interrogation and they're like how exactly does the sire bond work like what's the difference between being sired and being compelled tyler explains it in a way that doesn't really hold water as the series goes on but (laughs) it doesn't even hold water in that
2: scene is the thing (laughs) (laughs) he says oh you know i'm grateful to him because becoming a hybrid has saved me from the pain and torture of having to turn every month so serving him is just how i show my gratitude and they're immediately like so if klaus told you to walk off a bridge (laughs) and he's like that's crazy klaus wouldn't tell me to do that
1: and they're like but just say he did he's like that wouldn't hurt me anyway i'm a hybrid the only way to kill me is to cut off my head or rip out my heart and i'm like tyler i don't think klaus would want you telling people this but okay one Uh, and two (laughs) you've missed the point of the exercise (laughs) they're like okay let's dumb it down for your jock brain if klaus told you to rip out your heart then he's like i don't know i guess i'd rip out my heart then Jeez, leave me alone (laughs) my my guy (laughs) you're being mind controlled (laughs) the
2: only difference is klaus doesn't have
1: to work for it like i kind of wish that they had done more of a. I mean they say Stockholm Syndrome isn't real. Huh. But <laughs> we recorded that episode, Damon Part
2: Two, just in the week where we were finding out actually Stockholm Syndrome isn't real. <laughs> and that was so pissed off because we mentioned it so much.
1: Oh well. Now it's a dated reference. Yeah. But I wish it had been more of like a manual brainwashing type thing rather than a magical mind control thing, just like so there was a difference between compulsion and the sire bond, leaving aside all the stuff that happens with Damon and Elena later on. Yeah. For the sake of Tyler. Because it would have been interesting. I think. To see Klaus become. This new male figure. That Tyler has been Mm. duped into looking up to. He is the original hybrid. Tyler is the first unoriginal hybrid. Maybe Klaus could be like sinking his claws in yes. and indoctrinating tyler maybe like a you know we are the superior species type thing yeah you know, now that you're a, a hybrid
2: of- us 12 of us or however many hybrids klaus has at that point we're the only ones that exist in the entire world we are special in the sense. And you're one of us now. Yeah. Absolutely something he'd get fallen into. And
1: it's a it's a shame that Klaus's relationship with Tyler is never any deeper than You're my first progeny and there's some fondness there, but it's more like me being proud of my handiwork and yeah. Tyler being like, Yes, master. Cause it's like there are similarities between the two of them. Of course, both coming from werewolf bloodlines, but both having deeply rooted daddy fathers, issues. Yeah. <laughs> both being victims of, you know, toxic masculinity and This very boorish upbringing where it's like, you know, might is right. And how Klaus is the epitome of someone who was raised by this awful father who taught him that being powerful means you can do whatever you want. Mm. Um, And Tyler being someone who had sort of gone away from that, but maybe he was being drawn back in by Klaus. I think if you ask Klaus, he would think they had
2: a relationship that was like somewhat close. I think Klaus would become... Because Klaus would put in the minimal effort that he thinks is sufficient for someone to now be loyal to him for the rest of his life because in the moments when Tyler does manage to break away Klaus is baffled Klaus is like excuse me <laughs> he's so <you're> my <laughs> hybrid <laughs> Klaus is floored by it cuz he thinks yeah, Klaus is like yo <laughs> Klaus is King Olivia Rodrigo. When it's like Klaus, what do you actually know about Tyler now that we're now that we're there? <laughs> How much you know? He's your first child, and you're just—I don't think
1: you could tell me anything about what he likes and doesn't like. Klaus is like, I know Tyler. He's a Lockwood, and he's dating the girl I like. Ah! There, two facts. Keep the change. Oh
2: lord.
1: <laughs> but like, I can't remember. Because
2: it's not in this season, right? Where. Oh, it is in the season where he speaks to Bill Forbes, because this is the only season
1: Bill it Forbes is in. It is. It's after Klaus is like, let me test how deep the sire bond goes. Hey, Tyler, go give your girlfriend a lethal werewolf venom bite yeah. uh, for no reason. And Tyler's like, what? No, dude, I'm not going to do that. Like, hell no. And then he's just physically compelled to... And it's like, what is the difference? What is the difference between this and compulsion? This is the same as when Sarah was acting chill the whole night until Matt failed to get Tyler to kill him. And then she was like, okay, guess it's my time now. I've been activated. (laughs) It's, It's interesting too because it's like, I think Tyler had started to
2: refuse some of Klaus's requests... Because the whole situation with Jeremy had pushed him. Because he was like, well, how much free will do I actually have in this situation? And Klaus is like, what is free will anyway? Like, what does that mean? you know you're my hybrid you work for me so you do what i say i don't know why you'd want to think beyond that and tyler's like i'm not gonna hurt my friends for you and then he does it and it's like well damn turns
1: out you don't have any free will in this if they had had more time to spend on tyler as a character because i understand the show is packed at this point it's klaus it's rebecca it's elena and her boy toys it's caroline it's jeremy matt is there (laughs) it's bonnie and alaric and various guest characters just coming in and out maybe they could have had some sort of a plot for tyler where he unravels and that does lead to him genuinely seeing klaus as someone worth following a show that does it really well With a character who Had really been on the side Of the protagonist Up until then Is Buffy in the third season Spoilers for Buffy season 3 For anyone who hasn't seen it When Faith just begins to feel More and more alienated And then she is ripe for the picking When the mayor decides Hey I want to slay her on my side Yeah <laughs> man. Uh,
2: Faith man I have a lot to say on Faith But that's for another day Um, In a way The thing you're describing It is what we're talking about now We realize this being with Cloud is a net negative it's a ruin on his life he's losing his friends he's losing his girlfriend he nearly killed his girlfriend and then klaus then uses that as an opportunity to try and mack on his girlfriend when he shows up in the <laughs> blood. it's like you Which caused the problem my guy wild you can't show up like the white knight when you're the one who's killing her so he does have that moment where it's like i'm gonna within my power i want to try and stop this thing and that's when he goes to bill forbes To try and break the Sire Bond. Because Bill Forbes, as we've said many a time, friend of the pod, master of mental power, master of cognitive control. If anybody's going to know how to break it, it's him. Because he can't be compelled. Even in this season, the show draws the parallel between compulsion and the Sire Bond. So it's honestly insane that later onwards it's suggested that there's a
1: difference. That they're markedly different. (laughs) That's when Bill is like, the mechanics of the sire bond are that you feel loyalty to Klaus Mm. for setting you free from the pain of turning once a month. So you're going to turn over and over again until you either get accustomed to the pain or... It's not as painful. They treat it like those two things are syn- synonymous. And I'm like, that's not the same thing. <laughs> it's like, very is it different. <laughs> is it still going to be painful? Or is your pain threshold just going to increase? <laughs> yeah. I
2: think that's where it is. It's just like once you feel a particular pain enough times, you just get used to it. And it's just like, it'll be nothing to you. You do it like it's nothing. And he leaves for a bit as he tends to. Markedly, Tyler leaves the most often in
1: this show. <laughs> He goes to go see that out. But you know what? You know what? He's he's better off for it because sometimes the show does not know what to do with Jeremy and Matt. And it really shows. He leaves. He comes back far better off for it. But then they're like, Klaus doesn't
2: know that you have this now we can use this as a weapon while he's gone
1: because he he leaves does he he doesn't leave with bill right uh no because bill dies
2: so i guess tyler just goes off by himself
1: to go figure it out yeah because he sends he sends carolina letter after her father has died and he's like i'm really sorry to hear about your dad i just want you to know that i'm doing what he told me to i'm gonna try and break the cyborg so that i can come back to you and i'm like oh she's your anchor now yeah not just like romantically but also in the story because without her you have nothing to do <laughs>
2: <laughs> but also your werewolf anchor which is a concept in teen wolf and not in rabbi diaries but like the person oh, you think she's of, his Allison. she's his
1: Allison. love that for them so eventually he does come back as you say he's then their secret weapon because he's like ooh, klaus doesn't know and boy does klaus come with his his toxic alpha male energy. And he's like, I can flirt with Caroline all I want because Uh, Tyler is my stooge and will just sit back and let me do it. And Tyler's like gritting his teeth and being like, yes, sir, that's
2: true. This (laughs) is the thing about it that I wasn't going to bring it up now because it's more relevant in a later season. But the Sire Bond, it's odd to me that the Sire Bond at the end of the day is a vampire thing because it very much feels like a werewolf thing because Klaus makes all these hybrids and forms this pack around him where he is the alpha Mm. and they are subservient to him as the alpha of the pack. Even that demonstration of like, I'll do what I want and there's nothing you can say because I am your alpha. And so it's odd to me that it's a vampire thing. The Sire Bond, I guess you could argue as they say, this is just the way it expresses themselves in hybrids, but hybrids haven't existed prior to this. So it's just odd that this thing makes more sense with these wolf characters
1: than it does with vampires down the line. And it works better for the wolves. For what it's worth, it seems that all hybrids are sired to their maker, save for one. <laughs> save for one. <laughs> which we won't. We won't spoil. Right. But <laughs> the sire one. bond happens every other one <laughs> every time.
2: Yeah, it's so odd that like that's the odd outlier that's never existed before, as opposed to the vampire sire bond that is super rare.
1: Very strange retroactive writing thing. Maybe it's maybe it's because of the the werewolf pack mentality, which does become. Um, We'll put a pin in that. It becomes yeah. relevant one season later. For the for the rest of that season, Tyler's just basically running around pretending to be loyal to Klaus while actively working against him. When the Originals breeze through town like all the siblings and mother Esther, he doesn't really do much. He's there to say goodbye to Alaric when Alaric's like I'm going to let myself die and not complete the transition. He looks really good in his outfit at that dance. I don't know what it is about it.
2: A trilby very rarely looks good on a man, but I feel like he has the head shape for it. Oh yes. Oh he does. <laughs> he does. He does.
1: He looks he looks good as a tw- 20s man.
2: Yeah, I'm sure I said something nasty about it in prior episodes because I just instinctively hate that hat. But he does
1: look good in that hat. <laughs> I like it. And I like that Candace Acala in heels is taller yes. than Michael Trevino. Yes, of
2: course. <laughs> we love to just, see it. Just,
1: it's just, it's, it's barely noticeable, but I'm like, yay, short king. <laughs> short king. <laughs> <laughs> the most significant thing surrounding Tyler towards the end of season three is when they learn about the sire lines and how if you kill an original everything turned in their sireline will die as well. And there's that moment where they're like, oh, okay, we're gonna kill all the originals, except the one who we're descended from, and we hope it's not Klaus because we really need to get rid of Klaus. I mean Caroline's like, "Oh, snap, Light bulb moment. <laughs> Klaus turned Tyler personally. So if we kill Klaus, Tyler will definitely die, no matter who we're descended from. And then it becomes this like obstacle in the road where they're like, okay, we need to get rid of Klaus, and the easiest way to do that we can't do, we can't even risk it because Tyler will die. And Tyler is noble enough to when Caroline tells him this, he's like, "I'm prepared to die for the sake of the rest of you." And Caroline is like, "No. No way, are we letting that happen? And Damon's like, please, let's just let it happen. (laughs) (laughs) When is the
2: moment when, because as usual, Klaus is ready to leave town. I guess it's after they've killed Finn and after he's forced Bonnie to unlink them.
1: Oh, and it must also be after the Killaric situation. It's all the way when Vampalaric has been created. Yeah. And Klaus is like, well, he's too strong to kill. Nah, man. Um,
2: (laughs) And of course, I'm taking my hybrids with me and I'm taking my doppelganger
1: yes. with me, so... Tyler's like, I'm gonna help Elena get away. And Klaus catches him freeing Elena. And Klaus is like, so much for that sire bond. And he looks so devastated that I'm like, Klaus, <laughs> Klaus, yes. you're that person who someone is just like friendly to you and you think they have a crush on you. yeah, And then when you see them with someone else, you're like, oh... Okay. Well, ugh, scream, <laughs> Sabrina. Beer. Oh, <laughs> all
2: right. Well, I guess you're an awful bitch. It's like, have you put anything into this
1: relationship? What have you contributed? This is the same Klaus who was convinced his relationship with Stefan was deeper than the literal romance Stefan had with Rebecca. And it's like, Klaus, it wasn't about you. It really. I mean, you guys were like buds for sure. But I don't know why
2: it needs to be a her or me situation with your own sister, <laughs> Klaus. There is. <laughs> We we have to get into it at another juncture but I we need to explore how Klaus's abandonment issues overlap with like the homoerotic tendencies but that's not important right boy, now Boy <laughs> do they boy
1: do they <laughs> And it's funny because I, uh, comparing him to Tyler, I almost sensed something similar in Tyler when he and Jeremy had that, like, budding friendship that completely falls away. Yeah. Oh, they were in love with the same girl. But after all the toxic displays of, like, masculinity, and it's like, oh, we're fighting over the same girl. We're constantly trading blows over this woman who really we should just leave to make her choice Uh because she's a human being with a brain. It's like, oh, now we're bonding over art and Mm -hmm. this (laughs) this culture thing. And we, we both draw. And I thought you were just a boring emo And I, I thought, thought you were, were just, just a, a dumb joke, But dog. Look, oh. we have something in common
2: How about we get a drink Or, you know, I don't know <laughs> Play pool at the
1: grill Just hang out as bros, nothing more Why would it be anything more? I don't know The, the gods of heterosexuality sensed my happiness And they were like, nope Content <sighs> uh, <Punkhead's> always <laughs> ruining the game
2: for all of us But yes, Klaus does say so much for the Cyborg, And Tyler says the iconic line I'm not a little bitch anymore <laughs> It's my favorite line of his, it's my favorite delivery, his face with all the attitude, it's so good. And it's like, it's Tyler, great. are you about
1: to take on Klaus? What's the plan here, buddy? And then the Salvatore brothers show up through their combined strength and, and Tyler's. And through Bonnie
2: somewhere in the woods. Bonnie in the woods with
1: Jeremy. <laughs> they manage to stop Klaus's heart and desiccate him and it's like oh wow klaus has been beaten That's the season up in a nice bow vampaloric notwithstanding not <laughs> and then vampaloric not only continues to be a threat but he shows up to the founders council and is like you know how you've been letting damon and liz and carol basically spearhead this whole thing yeah well Damon Salvatore is a vampire. First of all. Sheriff Forbes' daughter is a vampire. Number two. And Mayor Lockwood 2.0, her son is a half vampire, half werewolf. Three for three. It's disgusting.
2: Y'all have let this council go to
1: shit. So Vampalaric is after Rebecca and Klaus now because he wants to finish the job. The Mystic Falls gang has hidden Klaus's desiccated body away. They're going to deliver it to Elijah. Once they realize Vampalaric is running about, they're like, okay, we need to move Klaus somewhere safe because not not that we care about him, but if he goes down, apparently we all go down. And Tyler definitely goes down. (laughs) Bonnie, who is entering her own rebellious era at that point, Bonnie's like, I've been dabbling in some dark magics. At one point, she comes across Klaus's desiccated but still conscious. Yeah. Body. His chained eyes are up wide open. And for a moment, I wondered if she was gonna default to like late season one, early season two, Bonnie, who's just like, no vampires allowed. But Kill she's like, more. she says to Klaus, I should let you burn. And I'm like, wait, 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 Bonnie, no. But it. then she's like, But if you die, all my friends die, and my mom dies. So what she does is she magically jumps Klaus's spirit into into Tyler's body. I don't think she asked permission. No, I doubt. Uh,
2: (laughs) I don't think for a second Tyler would have let that happen. I thought he'd be like, well, I guess if he believed that it would kill his friends too for Klaus to die, then maybe he would do the self-sacrifice. Yeah. But I don't
1: think Bonnie asked. For some reason, Klaus's spirit not being in his body when it's staked is enough to not let his sireline die or his body burn up. Whatever magical nonsense that entails. Right. But that's where season three ends with Klaus inside Tyler's body, so to speak. Cool. That's a that's a good place to book. We have seen three of the four stages of Tyler at this point. We've seen the jerk jock. We've seen the reluctant werewolf. And we've seen the first successful hybrid Which is actually a quote from Tyler um, When he's when he's being a bit mind-slavey in the beginning And Caroline can't figure out why he's acting this way He says, Caroline, I'm his first successful hybrid Don't you think that's the least bit cool? Don't
2: you think like <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened? And maybe I should actually be thanking him You know, like, I think you're not seeing the whole angle of this Oh, Tyler <laughs> I think when we come back in the next session We'll be in my, possibly my favorite Life stage of Tyler Lockwood His Peak, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, I guess that's it on Tyler for now. Thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts, questions, or you just want to say hi, I don't know. Um, you can mail us <laughs> at animalattackpod at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at animattackpod. That's at A-N-I-M-Attack pod there is a link tree in the bio that has all of our online stuff our personal twitters the youtube channel the tiktok everything it's all there go in have some fun and share it with your friends listen it's a new year we're back in business, we're doing it for the long haul For 2024, I think it would be nice if this podcast can just like spread its wings a little bit We've already got a couple people like coming in, some new people I was checking the numbers, I was like, okay, okay, I'm liking it But I want to see this thing go far, I want this to be like a
1: Our first metamorphosis Yeah, uh, I want us to
2: enter our, our second werewolf life era. stage <laughs> We were in our first, like May 2023, we started our pupation And now I want us to be <laughs> in a metamorphic cocoon, a chrysalis And emerge The powerful butterfly (laughs) This is fully insane We have to go Thank you for listening (laughs) Thank you for listening guys We'll see you in the next one Cheers Bye